The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott Norton, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your hosts Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith And Karen Peterson on today's show, we'll be reviewing the best of Super Juniors and World Tag League Finals, the Super J Cup Finals, previewing the road to Tokyo Dome, answering your questions, and covering all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to Keeping a Strong Style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. You can check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting SocialSuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like Dark Mode. Improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. And like you heard in the intro, we are joined by popular man, back by popular man, Karen. How are you doing? I'm great, guys. I don't know if a popular demand <laughs> warrants it or not, but I am glad to be here. I mean, we no, got us. We got a lot of we got a lot of great feedback a lot from of your reactions. Yeah. Aw, that makes me very happy. <laughs> and young boy, how are you doing, man? I'm good. We just got done recording uh, Ricky and Clive, and that was like a two-hour podcast. So this is like a marathon session right now. But uh, I, my favorite um, beer is was back. Cream and sugar, please, was back on the shelves, so I I cop some of that. So that's pretty. It's, it's Christmas miracle. <laughs> it's been gone like all, all all pandemic. I don't know. Really, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's from Cycle Brewing, like down St. Pete. Like you can get it if you go there, but like it hasn't been in the stores. Hmm. I guess I don't know. People don't like porters. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, before we jump into all of our reviews and stuff, just want to remind you guys about our. Keeping the Strong Style year-end awards. Friday is the last day to get your votes in for the awards. Um, so get your votes out. It, the, the links, it's pinned at the top of the New Japan Reddit. You can find it on the Social Suplex site, on our Discord, Twitter. We want you guys um, go out there, vote. We're very close to the to what we want to hit for a number of voters. So Already? Yeah, so yeah. get out there, make your votes if you haven't voted yet. and Every I know it's cliche, but every single vote counts. You guys have no idea. This is the closest year 
that we've ever had for a multitude of different categories, right. especially some of the big ones. Hint, hint. So yeah, your your second and third place votes <laughs> don't don't throw those away. Those they matter. Those those are going to determine some winners in some of the categories. Uh, so yeah, get your voting out there, guys, and then uh, those are like the Michigans and Ohio's and Wisconsin's, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so voting ends eleven fifty nine p.m. on Friday. And then on next week's episode, we will announce the winners of the awards with a guest from VoicesOfWrestling.com. Rich Kreich from the Voice of Wrestling flagship will be joining us to uh, announce the winners for those awards. So lots of stuff to look forward to here on Keeping a Strong Style. Yeah, he's coming into the big leagues. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, let's get started uh, talking about the shows here. Quite a few shows to talk about So we're starting off with the Best of the Super Junior and World Tag League Final Night From last Friday So What are you guys overall thoughts on This uh, wrap up of the tournament Uh, I guess I'll start I felt like the Best of the Super Juniors Final uh, Slash World Tag League Final was the first time in a while that it felt like I was watching a real true-to-life New Japan show top to bottom. Um, I mean, you can make the argument for, like, say, G1, but G1's kind of its own special thing, you know? And and especially since there wasn't an undercard, it was kind of specialized. Um, Maybe the Jingu show, you can make that argument, but it was outdoors. It was a special setting Power Struggle to me didn't feel like it. Dominion didn't feel like it to me. New Japan Cup didn't feel like it to me. And this entire tour hasn't necessarily felt true to life, authentic, pre-pandemic New Japan. This felt as much as like a B-level show in New Japan could feel authentic without there obviously being, you know, loud chanting going on because it was just a diversified show top to bottom. Most of the stars were there. You were getting angles. You were getting... Propulsion of new stories, new characters, new angles, things like that, and you know, uh, true classic at the at the very very top. Like this felt authentic New Japan to me. What do you think, Karen? Well, what I, th- I think it, about it was that, like, like Josh said, it felt like the first authentic show in a very long time, given what they've had to deal with in the past, you know, year with everything with COVID. It was refreshing to kind of have that feeling like it's everything felt like it was back to normal again like all the big players everybody was there or almost everybody was there right you had a little bit of everything for everyone um the hard thing for me was that having both leagues running at the same time right after the g1 i just felt Mm. so burnt out yes i had i had to prioritize so for me i because you know i have my my adult job my shooting job (laughs) where i have to actually work and be coherent most of the time um that i picked best of the super juniors to watch live and then world tagly i would watch the day of but later in the day you know like after eight o'clock in the morning (laughs) um but the the budokan show it just felt like we're just that one step away from everything feeling like we're back home again. Yeah, and it, and doesn't it kind of feel like these clap crowds are kind of settling into being more comfortable being clap crowds? 
Yeah, I thought that the Budokan crowd was very energized because there there have been some nights on this tour where the crowds, they weren't quite getting into it um, and they're just kind of watching. And so I definitely felt like the Budokan Hall crowd did bring that energy and helped elevate this show. And I agree with you guys. It definitely felt like uh, authentic New Japan show. Um, It it does help that we are in Wrestle Kingdom season and we had a lot of angles on the show that are building for January 4th and 5th and just a lot of excitement, even though obviously a lot of the undercard stuff wasn't anything blow away, but there were a lot of stories and angles that um, built Wrestle Kingdom and got, got me hyped up for that. It's just so strange that we're like less than four weeks away from Wrestle Kingdom. Like it, it's, you know, Christmas and, you know, the new year rapidly showing up. And I'm just like, I don't like, I I know there's a lot of setup that still needs to be done before Wrestle Kingdom, but I just wonder how the next you know week's worth of shows is going to set up anything other than what they've announced so far. Right. You know, and we might be jumping ahead. I don't know that they're going to set too much more up. I think that most of the marquee stuff is kind of out there, and I don't think they're going to be doing too many more like big feuds or, you know, progressions. I honestly think we're getting a lot of multi-man matches and stuff like that on the undercard. <laughs> yeah, and, and we'll get to that in a second. We'll, we will talk about the announced Wrestle Kingdom matches in the news section. And, oh, there's tons of questions about that. Uh, so let's dive into this uh, Best Super Junior World Tag League final. So the card opened up. We had the Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Taiji Ishimori defeating the Chaos team of Robbie Eagle Show. And Toriano, five minutes and 53 seconds. Uh, this was fine. Um, I thought it was, you know, pretty fun for what it was. Obviously, the big setup here is the story of Yano not being able to uh, body slam b- Bad Luck Fale. I guess I was just a little disappointed that Robbie Eagles was like the <laughs> casualty in all this. But, uh, you know, his time in the sun will come, I guess. Yeah. No, my take is that I was coping show would pin Ishimori. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kept holding out for that that, that one Hail Mary for him, but eh, it, it, it is what it is, and it set up a match. So, Yeah, it, it was a fine opener. Also, uh, post-match, we had the angle of Yano continuing to try and body slam, body slam a bad luck Fale. He failed to do it. Fale slammed him and stomped on the taped-up KOPW trophy. Uh, which we would then learn this is setting up a KOPW body slam title match on one of the Road to Tokyo Dome shows. Uh, which should be a banger. <laughs> uh, we did have a question here from our buddy uh, Sir Sam over at WrestlingHeadlines.com. He asked, after his performance in Best of Super Juniors, do you think Robbie Eagles has a chance to hold the IWGP Junior Championship? Um, I definitely think he's got a good chance at holding the title just because while it's a prestigious championship, most major players in that division at some point get a title run. Um, how, how like lengthy or how many, you know, meaningful matches they end up, uh, or defenses they end up having is up for question. But, um, you know, we kind of saw this past, uh, world tag league that, there is sort of a vacuum of guys that have left and there's holes to be filled. And I think Robbie Eagles could definitely be one of those guys. So I, I don't see any reason why he couldn't hold the title eventually. I think he can hold the title and at some point he will hold the title. 
I just don't think he'll be in chaos when it happens. Mm. I think he's going to be uh, shifting elsewhere (laughs) to where, you know, there's a a group of young upstarts starting their own little kingdom, faction, empire, doohickey, thingamabobber. (laughs) Um, Because the hard part about chaos is that once everyone's back, there's there's four juniors. There's right. Shoyo, Rocky, and Arabi. And I feel like as much as I love Robbie, he's not going to shine, especially after the year shows had, as long as he's in chaos. Right. And I, I know we've talked about this, Josh. We, we kind of feel week. that Rapungi 3K is, is gonna, it's not going to be a thing when Yo comes back. Um, it's not. I'm, <laughs> wait, <laughs> I'm waiting to have my heart broken, and it's fine. I'm coming to terms with it. Um, but it's it's going to be good news for your, your boy Show because I think Show is going to kind of take that maybe that quote unquote Will Osprey spot as the the top junior of Chaos, and I definitely think it's going to be great things for Show. But as far as Robbie Eagles, I do think he um, is very capable of holding the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. He's a phenomenal performer. Has great matches, and like we talked about last week, um, you know the junior division is kind of built around the imports um, and guys that can bring in, and so Eagles is definitely a guy that they're going to want to continue to bring in, and he, he can pretty much have a, a good match with anybody, a very uh, versatile guy that would you know be a great mix in that junior title uh, picture. Yeah, and I, I, you know, we've heard a lot of speculation about Robbie Eagles joining the Empire, and um, we hadn't given too much credence to it because we haven't seen anything that truly really even hints or indicates it but last week when we kind of wrapped up the tournament we started speculating about it we're like you know that kind that move makes the most sense from logistics standpoint for all the same reasons that you mentioned karen and i was like it just kind of makes sense that he might be the next guy especially with like all the uh you know one guy's from europe or from england one guy's from hawaii one guy's from you know mongolia and then you've got this australian superstar over here kind of languishing down in the juniors they don't have a junior guy yet it kind of goes hand in hand who invited robbie to join new japan exactly well awesome it wasn't it wasn't okada and and you know initially i didn't think he should join because i thought that that was too much of a tip of the hat like it's too obvious but now it's like, well, you might as well do it because he didn't even have that hot of a super juniors kayfabe wise. Right. My- well, it was, it was, oh, I'm sorry. No, go it ahead. Was, it was the thing where, you know, he came in, came into new Japan and went to bullet club, did, did bullet club for a little bit, didn't work out, went to chaos. And I just feel like, again, like we said before, chaos is just too congested. They, they have, they're hoarding all the juniors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they got to let, let one or two go away. <laughs> Uh, my my only issue that I would have with Eagles joining the Empire is I think Eagles is mu- for me much better as a babyface than he is a heel. That, yeah. I, I was not digging him as as a heel in Bullet Club, and I thought once he became babyface, his uh, he just connected so much better with the audience and with me, and just it really helped his performances. Uh, I don't know, maybe things will be different this time around, but I really like him in the babyface role. My one question to you would be this: Can you think of one other person that kind of fits? what they're going for in empire right now that would be that's in new japan that's a junior i mean the only other one i could think of and i'm not even sure i'm convinced of it but like maybe really mm. rocky I, you could do rocky too yeah well, like if you're gonna if you're gonna go with if you're gonna make another foreign fa- foreign heel faction rocky would be the obvious choice yeah um 
yeah, no. The the other other way I'm thinking of is that Yo comes back, turns on Cho and jumps ship because he he wants to be the star of the juniors and he's not going to do it in chaos again because you can him. only have one <laughs> one ace in each each group. So right, yeah. Well, speaking of the Empire, they were in action next on this night. We, the first time that all three members were, were teaming as a unit here. So we had the great Ocon, the Hatchet, Jeff Cobb, and Will Ospreay, accompanied with B. Priestley, defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, and Toa Hanare. Yeah, I saw some um, clamoring online about when are they going to start announcing the stardom matches for Wrestle Kingdom. And, and I don't get it because they got women in New Japan. They got B Priestley right here. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> don't make me get in my car and drive down. <laughs> um, but no, I was actually very excited to see um, Ocon, Cobb, and Osprey work as a unit for the very first time because we haven't really seen that. And um, I thought they were pretty impressive, to be honest. Yeah, I thought they gelled together really well. Um, obviously, Cobb and O'Connor have had times to kind of work the kinks out during this uh, long world tag league tour. Uh, but yeah, we really haven't seen it. We saw a little bit of o- Osprey and O'Conn um, before the tag league tour. But yeah, the first time all three of them working together, well, that looks really well. I'm just glad to see Jeff Cobb, you know, finally thriving and, you know, you know, personally, I prefer him as a babyface because I know he's actually a really nice guy. But yeah. seeing that he's found a character, he's he's you know harkening back to Matanza and all those you know his heel heel personas. It's I'm great grateful that he's finally getting that shine because you know he's been in New Japan for several years, but he's always kind of been in the background and people talk about him here and there. But now he's getting like thrust to the forefront, especially with his upcoming uh. His upcoming match. <laughs> yeah. Um, th- and it's funny because it's like um, a lot of people would have looked at this matchup and said, okay, well, they got, you know, it's Tanahashi, Okada, and Hanare, so they're probably going to lose because they got Hanare to be the fall guy. But that was not my thinking at all. My thinking was Tanahashi and Okada on the same team. Oh, they're definitely losing yeah. because they always lose when they team together. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. The Mega Aces cannot get it together, but the Mega Aces suck together for some reason. It's like they cancel each other out for some reason. It's too powerful. It's yeah. like <laughs> two magnets. They just kind of bounce off of each other. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, did I, I'm kind of even forgetting. Like, Did uh, did the Empire cheat to win here? No, I, no. so uh, Cobb just ended up hitting uh, Toa Hanari with the tour of the islands. Oh, and it was like the the momentum that he got off of it. I felt like it was one of the best tour of the islands I've seen in like ever. Yeah, and then uh, after that, we had the uh, the post-match attack. Well, we had Okada and Osprey uh, squaring off and Okada grabbing Osprey uh, by the, the throat. Uh, but then that leads into uh, Cobb helping uh, get an os cutter off on Okada. Uh, Okada's laid out. Uh, B Priestley gives Okada Okan a chair, and he's attacking uh, Tanahashi's knee with a chair, and they bash Tanahashi's knee with the chair, and then the Empire stands tall. Yeah, I think it was one of the speculations we had when Tag League first started. People were like, are we getting Okan Tanahashi? And I was like, well, I mean, that one attack wasn't enough for me to think that, but let's see how this tournament plays out. Maybe something else will happen. Well, here, here we are now. You know, weeks later, and something else has played out. 
So it's very clear that something is going to be going down between Tanahashi Okada going forward. And we kind of have the continuation of the Osprey Okada feud, which I got to tell you guys, I've as excited for the match as I am. I think it's been a detriment to this story. The fact that they kind of had to take a sidestep while these two tournaments played out because had very little interaction throughout, you know, ever since the, uh, the initial turn. I mean, this is the one angle and, I'm sure we'll have some stuff on the road to it, but I feel like the magnitude of this match is kind of lost where they, there should have been a much, a lot more spotlight, a lot more angles, a lot more promos, more like attention paid to this, uh, to this, you know, feud. And I think they're trying to salvage it now. Well, that's the thing that I'm, I'm curious about as well, because, you know, we only have these next two weeks and then we go right into the dome. But I kind of think back to when Jay White, turned on chaos that it went beyond a, just a couple of matches it went beyond a couple a couple of the big milestone marker events throughout the year so i think chaos versus the empire may continue well into the early th- first quarter of 2021 yeah, which is why i think some juniors are jumping ship <laughs> but it, that that's a different story um but it's the same thing with um what I found interesting about Jeff Cobb was that this was the first time in a post-match, if I'm not mistaken, that he laid his hands on Tanahashi to yeah. hurt him post-match. Mm-hmm. Like, like when it first, when they had their original like tag match, he just sat in the corner, he crossed his arms, he didn't do anything. This was the first time he actually like held him down, which I was like, boy, don't make me hop a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hurt you. But it's just one of those things where it's, I feel like they're just like with um, the Jay White thing. It's going to continue. I think it's going to continue at least until new beginning. There's going to be more fallout moving forward. I don't, I don't think everything's just going to end on the first. Or sorry, on the fourth and the fifth. I think that's probably very accurate. Yeah, definitely. The kind of build to Wrestle Kingdom definitely got thrown into the loop with this double uh, Best Sleeper Junior and World Tag League tour. Because normally, you know, we we have a destruction tour in the fall, and then we would have uh, we would have King of Pro Wrestling in October. And then we would have, you know, Power Struggle in November. And then we're, we'd have World Tag League, but still a lot of stuff would be built between those those kind of big tours. And so we kind of missed out on that. And like you mentioned, Josh, I do feel like they're trying to do the best they can. I'm sure there will be some more angles on the Road 2 shows uh, to come. But, yeah, I definitely think, agree with you, Karen. I think this, this Empire Chaos view is going to be something that we see kind of played out, especially probably that, that the new beginning tour. We're probably going to see that. And, yeah, we'll probably see, yeah, more people joining the Empire. Maybe we'll finally get a logo for the Empire and kind of see the Empire kind of become more fully formed. We got music. I don't know if it's Osprey's new single music or it's the, the Empire's music, but they did come out to new music this night as well. So they're definitely kind of slowly, you know, forming the Empire as, you know, a solid unit in New Japan. New Year's Dash might be another day we have to really keep a close eye on what's, what's going to happen. Nothing ever happens on that day. <laughs> Everything, everything happens on that day, and you know it. Uh, So next up, we had the LIJ team of Sonata and the current Never Openweight Champion, Shingo Takagi, defeating the Bullet Club team of Evil and Yujiro Takahashi. I mean, this was a shocking outcome with how well Evil and Yujiro did all throughout the tournament. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I was really expecting, you know, Yujiro to hit the pimp juice on Shingo and set up a never title match. This makes me wonder if, if Yujiro's actual power comes from Peter being at ringside. 
Mm. I'm oh. still convinced she's the leader of Bullet Club. <laughs> she holds all the power. I I I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. But I mean, the big story here, um, you know, we kind of knew going into this uh, this night that a lot of different angles match be set up, and the big question going into the dome season was like, what's Sonata doing? What is Evil doing? And then when you kind of saw this match laid out, it became very clear, like, oh, maybe we're going to a battle of former partners. Sonata is the one guy that Evil has not really truly feuded with since he jumped ship uh, from LIJ this past year. I mean, I guess Bushi too, but I don't really count him. Uh, <laughs> So um, yeah, it, it, this this match is clearly the catalyst to set up the Evil Sonata feud. Which you know, I know a lot of people that are like big time Lij fans were like, one day this will be a world title match to headline Wrestle Kingdom. Like maybe it will be, but not this year. But <laughs> it will be at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. So in the the post match, obviously the Lij team won. Chingo uh, hit the last of the dragon on Yujiro, and then post match. Uh, we had Sonata continuing his attack on Evil and then kind of meeting in the aisle, and they kind of fought all the way to to the backstage of the arena there. And there's some kind of uh, footage that came out of them kind of jawjacking and continuing the brawl backstage. So obviously setting the stage for this Evil-Sonata match down the line. I have waited eight months for Sonata to finally pull the plugs out and lose his you-know-what on <laughs> Evil. I've waited that post-match beatdown was fantastically delicious. <laughs> I, I was so happy it finally happened. Um, and then also, as um, Sonata and Evil were brawling, Jeff Cobb made his way down to the ring and got into a little tug-of-war with Shingo over the Never title and used that tug-of-war to pull Shingo into an awesome-looking tour of the islands and obviously holding up the Never title, so obviously setting up the stage for uh, Shingo and Cobb. He let that man know... This belt is mine. Yes, and it was a better uh, tug of war than Roman and Brock. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it was. And so then that takes us to the next matchup where we had Kota Bushi teaming up with Master Wato, of course, company with Hiroshi Tenzon. They defeated the team of Bushi and Tetsuya Naito. Do you remember um, all those times on The Office where Dwight would be like assistant regional manager? They're like assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> I think every time someone says Master Watto, someone should say way to the Grandmaster Watto. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna call like Tenzon like the assistant, no regional master or something. No, <laughs> Watto is the assistant to. Or Watto's the uh, way to the Grandmaster because he's he's definitely not the ma- I don't know why he's still called Master. Like they made it very clear he's on the way to being a Master. Well, he, he's a Master. He's on the way to being a Grand Master. <sighs> okay. <laughs> my, my favorite takeaway from Best of Super Juniors was tons on going on Twitter and confirming that yes, he is Master Watto's diva. <laughs> as, as as per Hiromu's strategy guide, he confirmed it. He's like, yes, I am a diva. Or I'm like, okay, Tenzon. The the. Perfect. The most cringe moment of the entire Super Juniors was the night that he beat Desperado, and then he like told everybody in the audience, he's like, "I will be the Grand Master." Silence. <laughs> <laughs> I, felt so, I felt so bad. Oh man. 
So, I mean, yeah, obviously this matchup here was really to preview the Ibushi Naito IWGP title match that will be happening on January 4th, first night of Wrestle Kingdom 15. And to set up this fire Wato Bushi feud. <laughs> uh, don't don't know about all that, but um, yeah, like I mentioned last week, um, you know, love the kind of the chemistry that Naito and Ibushi have, and I'm really looking forward to what they're going to do on January 4th. You mean all the murder they're going to do? There's a reason why they're kept apart <laughs> for long periods of time. Yes, I'm looking for all all the flat neck bumps, all, all the all the bumps on the apron, um, all. All the Naito, like, naysayers are going to have to shut up because they're putting him in there with the Bushi, and that always rules. Yeah, it's, it's going to be nuts. People are going to lose their necks and their knees. I'm just, oof. Well, I'm Naito. excited, but it's, I always get, like, it, it's at that point where you know they all have those injuries, and you're just like, oh, just, just, just don't go to the hospital. Just, just get to the match, but well, don't go to the hospital. It's funny. You, you mentioned knees and neck. Like, Naito doesn't have much more knees to lose. And Abushi... Oh, no. Tranquilo and Destino are tired. They're ready to retire. <laughs> and Abushi doesn't have much neck left to lose either. Honestly, the last time. With those traps, I think he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last time that, like, to, and I know that Naito's had some great matches since then, but the last time Naito really looked like the Naito of old was during the Ibushi three-match series from a couple years ago, and those matches were so hellacious that I was like, I don't know if I ever want to see these guys wrestle again. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was nuts. Uh, but, yeah, looking forward to uh, January 4th with these guys. So then we move into our semi-main event of the evening, the first of two double main events, I should say. Uh, first, for the World Tag League 2020 Finals, we had the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga, and Tangaloa with Master Heater Jado defeating Finn Juste Finley and Juice Robinson in 22 minutes and 15 seconds. What did y'all think about the this final matchup of the World Tag League? I will defer to Karen. Oh, um, I was actually happy for Tama and Tonga because, you know, they always go to... World, the World Tag League final or World Tag League, you know, and they never win it. Mm-hmm. So they finally like shook that jinx and won it. And I, I, I think Tama's new look that you know the internet loves to hate on, like the clean shaven, clean cut, handsome Tama, handsome Tom, handsome Tama. What are you talking about? Hey, if Tanahashi and Shibata say you look handsome, then you know what? That's top <laughs> handsome. You don't argue with it. <laughs> but um, but I think that's also the one side of the potential bullet club civil war that people aren't paying attention to is Tama and his brother and the people that Tama's brought into bullet club. Like Ishimori. Kenta. And Kenta. Mm. And obviously Fale falls in line with them pretty much as well. Yeah. And yes. probably Chase Owens too. Yeah. So everyone's all up on Jay and Evil, but they're they're missing one very crucial part. It's the Tongans. The, the linchpin and possibly the wedge. <laughs> that I mean, that sounds really that sounds really reminiscent of a similar Bullet Club Civil War where we were all wondering what the Tongans were gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and then they came they, they rolled up and they cleaned house <laughs> with their dad. So you know what? Yeah, you remember that um the end of that one being the elite where all the elite are sitting there and Cody's like the fuck's up with Haku? Yeah. <laughs> What's his problem? Yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll see Haku once again kind of 
uh, getting involved in, in this Bullet Club oh. Civil War. Uh, a, a couple years ago, or maybe it was a year or two ago, I don't remember, we got to see uh, Haku wrestle Gangrel locally. Yeah, right oh, here wow. in Tampa. A very uh, interesting indie show. Pretty pretty awesome. But, <laughs> well, uh, you know, a lot of indie shows in Tampa are interesting. So, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, as far as this match goes, um, I'll say this. I've been pretty disappointed. With, well, I, w- I don't even know if disappointed is the right word. Because... I think G.O.D. has performed as I would expect them to perform in this tournament, which was not super good. Not bad, but they've just been fine. They've been middle-of-the-road average. But the thing with this team is when they're called upon to really, like, go out there and perform and put on, like, a uh, like a banger when, they need it, when they're needed to, um, they are usually always capable of doing that, uh, especially with – the improvements they made over the past few years. And Finjuice is one of the teams that they work really, really well with. We saw that last year's final. Um, and they went out there, and I thought this match was awesome. I think I'm higher on it than a lot of people. I think it went like three and three, three, and three quarters, just shy of four probably. Um, I know a lot of people didn't like the way G.O.D. won, especially with the overabundance of like, you know, shenanigans, ref bumps, run-ins, things like that. But... Uh, in this case, it, it it worked for me because that's these guys' gimmick. It's what needed to happen, and I thought that they worked the match in a way to where it was really dramatic and dynamic. I loved when um, Master Heater got taken away by the Young Lions. <laughs> yeah, that was a good spot. And then he came back, and then Kenta made his way in, and it was like, you know, the story was Finju should have repeated, but G.O.D., like, had every contingency plan in place to ensure they they got the W. And um, I didn't think that the way they did the cheating brought the quality of the match down, in my personal opinion. Um, So I thought the match was really great. Plus, you know, G.O.D. needed to win one of these at some point. I mean, they were due for it, and this is the time to do it. And um, I'm looking forward to the potential IWGP title match that they have lined up for the Dome as well. Yeah, I thought this match was a very good matchup. Like you, I agree. I don't. I don't feel like Kenta's interference brought the the quality of the match down. It was almost a surprise for me because obviously Kenta was supposed to be on the Super J Cup card, and that card was has been advertised as live. So I'm like, <laughs> so Kenta's here. Like, so what what's going on? And so that was kind of a surprise of seeing Kenta kind of pop up there. And like we've said from. The beginning of the preview of World Tag League, we pretty much called that it was going to be G.O.D. winning this whole thing. They were, they were going in this, this tournament not as the champions, which gave them all the chances to win. Like you mentioned, they've been in so many leagues, have been in so many finals, but have never won it. So it made all the sense for them um, to win this league. And and then, you know, last week I called it, I, I figured it was going to be G.O.D. and Finjuice, kind of a rehash from... The Wrestle Kingdom main event, or excuse me, Wrestle Kingdom tag match last year, and that GOD was going to quote unquote kind of get the win back and was going to win by nefarious means. But I didn't expect Kenta to be the one uh, to kind of help them get the win there, but kind of went the way we kind of called it. Well, the thing that I actually enjoyed about that match was that, you know, when you have uh, Jado or Ghetto or, you know, Dick Togo in a match, at some point you have to wonder whether they're becoming a crutch. For the heels to win. Mm. Um, so yeah. When he got through thrown out. I was like. You know. It's like. You know. Seven o'clock in the morning here. And I'm screaming at my TV. Because that's what you do. And I was excited for it. But the fact that they brought someone else back in. Especially one that everyone thought was here in the States. 
it just had it had that you know the whole bullet club is a team mentality it isn't my bullet club it's our bullet club and you know it's the they do what's best for bullet club as a whole right yeah definitely just yeah showing that bullet club solidarity and this could also play into something potential at the dome so as we know kenta is still the holder of the u.s briefcase uh lord knows when we will get um a, a john moxley u.s title defense uh, but with Kenta costing Finn Juice this match, this could potentially lead to maybe Juice versus Kenta for the briefcase. You know, you know, if Kenta can uh, beat Brody King this coming Friday, um, or or David Finley. True, but you know, typically Juice is the one that bring that U.S. picture, and if, I, if I'm remember correctly, I think Kent Juice is the one that got hit with the briefcase. In this matchup here, I uh, think so. Yeah, I guess I was thinking there was a possibility of Dave Finley just because I thought something had occurred between the two of them on Strong previously. He, well, cha- I think he challenged for the briefcase, but or, yeah, he but, did, but didn't, but didn't win. Right, uh, and because okay. Kenta also cheated to win the briefcase to begin with. Right, and so yeah, Finley already had his shot at the briefcase, um, and obviously Juice has been off of Strong for the majority of it because of that, that leg injury that he had. Uh, the beginning of the pandemic, and that's where the big boys play. <laughs> yeah, so don't forget uh, that. <laughs> so, you can't uh, even say it with a straight face. <laughs> so I think Kenta, K- Ju- they don't know that. <laughs> uh, Kenta and Juice could uh, make a lot of sense here. Uh, uh, no, you know what? It doesn't make a lot of sense. That's the problem. It doesn't make a lot of sense. They're having to make it make sense because right. we don't have a, a fucking U.S. champion here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you know what else doesn't make sense? Why is this man? Why is the the briefcase so broken down? But then, over in America, that that shits all together. It doesn't well, make any well, sense. Well, Kevin Kelly said on the broadcast on Super Jacob that he got a new briefcase. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about, young boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think I think the original broken one is actually on display in the Tokon shop in Suidobashi. It is along with Jay's like torn up contract that's in Japanese. But they, they, they gave him a new one that he busted on Juice's face. So I'm wondering at some point if he's going to put tape on it like he did with the Tanahashi one, wrote, like write Juice's name on it as the, the next person who has to like, pay to fix the briefcase. <laughs> we had a question here from uh, Viking Payne. He asked, with uh, G.O.D. winning World Tag League and Osprey's Empire being a new heel faction, is uh, Suzuki Goon slowly transitioning into a tweener group? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm listen. I, I'm I'm sorry, Viking Pain. You have to excuse uh, Karen's laughter. <laughs> I've got I've got opinions on that question. Um, I, I guess I'll start. Uh, well, hold on, Karen. She's, oh, she's got she, she's got opinions. Okay. Let's, let's hear. Let's hear. We can hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So you can't deny the the charisma and popularity of Suzuki Gun. They are beloved by the fans, but there is no top heel. That can dethrone Minoru Suzuki. I'm sorry, he he's the king of wrestling. It's they they Osprey and them. I feel like they're the going. They're supposed to be the tweener group. That you know they're gonna I, like with Jeff joining them. It feels like the Empire is supposed to be kind of like Lij, where they're the tweeners, where you know you you're putting in credible, popular people in a group together. But I don't see them out healing Suzuki Goon. You you have 
Kanemaru, who is the heel master. You have Desperado. You it, it's you got Taichi and Zach. This they're they're not they're not tweeners. They're only tweeners if they're fighting other heels, but even then they're still the top heels. Right. I, I completely agree. Um Suzuki Goon is the most pure heel stable in all of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um and in fact, you know what? The one thing I will disagree with you on there, Karen, I don't think that Empire, at least for the time being, is going to be a tweener group at all. Oh, yeah. um, I think that they are the new chaos. I think they're going to facilitate the role that chaos used to fill when they were pretty much, you know, a heel stable. Um, or at least that's my opinion. We don't really, no one really knows until, because it just started and we'll, right. we'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, I mean, d- there are times where, Certain, like, when they do heel versus heel matchups, you have different dynamics. When it's Suzuki against any other heel, he's the heel. <laughs> when it's Zack Sabre Jr. or Taichi, they become the faces de facto because they're not Minoru Suzuki. And that's kind of the, that's kind of the deal. But if it's Kanemaru, I don't care which junior he's wrestling, he's the heel. Same thing with Desperado. So... Yeah, they're they're not tweeners. Although although they're beloved by the crowd, they're not even pandering to the crowd. They don't even like the crowd. They don't want your love <laughs> or support. They don't care. Yeah. Secretly they want the love because everybody wants to be loved, but they know they're doing their job if they're getting booed out of the building. No, the only one who secretly wants the love is Tai Chi because he's insecure and it's like a big part of the complex of who he is. He misses the the the, the let's go Tai Chi, go home Tai Chi chance. I can tell you, he's missing that. <laughs> The clapping doesn't doesn't cut it for him. <laughs> yeah, so clearly, you know, obviously with G.O.D. winning and also they're going to be challenging the Dangerous Techers for the tag title, so we are going to have this kind of heel-versus-heel matchup. But, yeah, in that matchup, I think Dangerous Techers will um, kind of facilitate the Bayface role in that matchup. And also G.O.D.s are going to have Master Heater Jato out there. Kenta might be out there. I mean, there's Gato might be out. There's tons of Bullet Club members that could be running. We, we normally don't really see Suzuki Gun members kind of run in or second guys. So, yeah, uh, Dangerous Techers will probably be the faces in this match. But just for that matchup, I uh, agree with both of you guys. They are the pretty much top heel faction, you know, full on heel faction. I guess you could argue Bullet Club. It's, but, you know, as pure heels, I think it's Suzuki Gun uh, and don't see them transitioning. Dog ear that for later because when we go to the, get to the match review, the match recommendations, there's a there's a time when Suzuki Goon comes together mm. and seconds at ringside. They used to interfere a lot in, in especially in uh, Minoru Suzuki matches for a while. I just feel like with Bullet Club being their opponents, there's going to be a lot going on in that match. It's not going to be a clean fight between. As clean as a <laughs> clean as a fight can be between dangerous techers and God with with Jado, it's going to be a lot of people, especially if the other juniors don't and Minorazuki don't have anything to do. Right, that's a good point. They could do a rumble at the beginning and then be out at ringside or run in in the match. So remember that time I picked Bushi to win the Rambo? Yeah, so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> 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 Let's talk about this main event. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so our best of the Super Junior 27 final match, we had the ticking time bomb, Hiromu Takahashi, defeating El Esperado at 30 minutes and 14 seconds. Karen, what were your thoughts on this main event? Ooh, 
a lot happened in that rain event. Um, as you can probably guess, I was not happy at at in, at the at the upstart <laughs> as to who was going into the main event because it wasn't the main event I wanted. But that's fine. I, as a newer watcher of New Japan within the last couple of years, I didn't realize or know how deep the rivalry between Hiromu and Desperado went. I always thought that Hiromu and Evil were in the same Young Lion class. Evil came in the year after Hiromu. Hiromu started with Desperado, and I didn't know that. So they kept talking about this 10-year rivalry, and I was like, what? What are you talking about? Because they, there was never a deep dive on that information. And had I known that their paths went much further back, I probably would have, at before the match started, been more into it. Mm. And I also remember that they were, I feel like they were setting this match up two years ago before Hiromu hurt his neck. Right, yeah. Because he had just won Best of the Super Juniors and one of the backstage was Desperado challenging him. And then, you know, Hiromu got hurt, and then the next year Desperado got hurt. So I feel like they're they're finally plucking that booking that they've wanted to do and just thrown it in because this year is a a year they're trying to do the best they can. But that match was an absolute... I was tired <laughs> watching it, especially when, um, when somebody got unmasked. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> oh, wow. Well, um, yeah... The one, I think we were extremely accurate in our predictions of Tag League, Super Juniors, and J-Cup uh, to come. Uh, I did get sold on the idea by Karen that show would be here in this main event spot. But as time went on, even though he got really close, it just didn't make the most sense. Just because, simply, it's Wrestle Kingdom. It, if I had like stopped and thought about it for a second, thought, okay, it is Wrestle Kingdom and it's Hiromu. Then it makes all you know. It, it's it's the easiest thing in the world. But I was like, kind of like playing fantasy booker, and <laughs> I was thinking about like you know if it had been Dominion, different story. Maybe Show could have won. But but you know it's the Tokyo Dome. And um, once it came down to Hiromu and Desperado, I actually went back and listened to some of the audio from when we did our preview. And when we were talking about Desperado, if you guys go back a few weeks, me and Jeremy were talking about. I played the the audio for Jeremy and. Jeremy's like, um, Desperado, you know, what do you think his chances to win are? And I'm like, he has no chance to win whatsoever. And then we started talking about it, and I was like, but he's got a great chance to be the final. I was like, in fact, I think him and Hiromu will be the final. And I was like, he won't win. But in losing, they're going to have a great match, and he's going to be elevated to where he's going to be a serious player in the in the division going forward to where maybe six months from now, maybe – Maybe we could take him seriously as being an IWGP junior champion. And I think they really accomplished that task here. They had the uh, really two years ago after the Super Juniors, they had that match. What What's the tour after Super Juniors? Like in June? I can't remember. Uh, well, well, it's Dominion after Super Juniors. It's after that, Dominion. Um, I don't know. They had a title match in Cork and Hall. Not Don Taco. Don Taco's before that, yeah, right? That's May. That's May. So it's July. What's I don't know. It's like right before G one. I don't know. It doesn't matter. So they had a they had that Cork and Hall title match, um, you know, two years ago, which was an awesome match, by the way. And in that match, remember Desperado got his mask pulled off there. He goes to uh 
He has the title belt. He goes to hit Hiromu with it. Hiromu ducks. Hiromu grabs the mask, pulls it off, thinking that, you know, this uh, luchador is going to fall to the ground, grab his face, and and try to hide. And Desperado's looking down, and he just clobbers him with the fucking belt and stops and casually... And the, the referee's down, so there's no opportunity to, like, pin. But he casually walks over, grabs the mask, puts it back on. And it's like he cares more about inflicting damage on Hiromu and keeping him in his place in the pecking order, being that he's, like, the senior to him, than, you know, protecting his identity or having that, you know, luchador honor or whatever. And um, that all was, like, playing into the overall story of what what was to come here in the Hiromu Desperado match. Like, I thought this match was fantastic. Uh, I thought it was easily the best New Japan match of the weekend as well. Yeah, I absolutely love this match. Uh, You know, one thing that... That kind of hurt me a little bit going into watching this match. So I always I, I did not get to watch this show live and uh, had a pretty busy weekend. So I was kind of behind on watching some stuff. So I was watching. Yeah. So the um, you know in our group chats where we try to be good with not giving spoilers, especially for New Japan. I mean, Josh and I kind of laid the law down there, like <laughs> no 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 spoilers, guys. And so, but we we did have a lot of people, you know, sending in screenshots of cage match and grapple ratings of you know. 4.75 and 5 and, you know, 9 points. I'm like, oh, wow, this match must be, you know. It's going to be the greatest junior match of all time. Yeah. So then <laughs> so then I started watching the match. I think it was, I was watching it on Saturday morning. I started watching the match, and, it, and it's going. And, you know, it was, it's a good match. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, typical Desperado home match. It's, right. it's going good, you know. Despy's working the knee like usual, uh, working the back, cheating. And I was like, so far, this is a good match, but I don't get why people are like losing their minds over this right. match. And then, <laughs> and then the mask gets ripped. Despy pulls the mask off. The clap crowd gasps. And then they just go to war. They're chopping the crap out of each other. And the match just went on another level. That last 10-minute stretch was absolutely incredible. I I loved it. I couldn't quite go the full five stars on it. Uh, I was a coward. I went 4.75. Uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely love this main event. It was a great way to kind of cap off this tournament that's kind of, you know, not been what we're normally used to as it, as it comes to quality of Super Juniors. And I thought this was a great way to close off this, this tournament, close off this tour. And like you mentioned, there's so many storyline elements between these guys. And we saw that all just kind of spill out here. And it was something like we also mentioned too last week where we were like, the match that Despi and Hiromu had early in this tournament was pretty short, and it was a good match, but also wasn't epic. And also, they were saving that for for this match. They were saving stuff for this match to make this the epic kind of big finale. Hiromu was able to uh, get his re- revenge on Despy uh, from that earlier match, and from losing so many times in the junior tag picture with Bushi against him. Kind of Maru uh, got the win here. Had to had to bust out the time bomb too, um, and was able to finally. Defeat El Desperado. One of the things I loved about him unmasking himself was that to go back to the match that Josh was talking about is that when Hiroma took his mask off last time, he took the mask and like he used to have long hair. Yeah. So he, he like unceremoniously throws his hair back on, throws his hair back, puts the mask on. This time around, 
he cut all his hair off. So when he, when Heroin pulled the mask off, everyone's just like, where's his hair? His hair's gone. Why is his hair gone? So it, it was one of those things where it had more impact because up until very recently, he still had his hair. So yeah. they were make, like a lot of people were wondering, what does this mean for him moving forward? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, back two years ago during that, Fantastic Super Juniors. There was like uh, also the the like emerging feud between him and Dragon Lee at the time, and there was a lot of like you know allusions to the idea that they might have a mask versus mask match. Are they gonna you know take the uh, you know the mask off of him and eventually turn him into what's his name Mikami Mizami? I forget. Mikami. Mikami. Um, the funny thing is, like, I was watching this. <laughs> I was watching this with my girlfriend, right? And she, for whatever reason, some guys just register for her and some guys just don't. Desperado has been a guy that just never does. And she's always like, who is this guy? And I'm always like, it's Desperado. You've seen him a million times. And then she's like, uh, I know the one guy with the mask. I'm like, that's Bushi. She's like, yeah. Like, she does, she never remembers Desperado. Then his mask got torn off. She's like, wait, what? He's gorgeous? <laughs> <laughs> the handsome and i was like yeah candido dragon lee all of them they're too gorgeous they gotta like hide some of it to so you know they don't outshine everybody else <laughs> yeah and i was like yeah like he's he's gorgeous you didn't know that and i was like i'm pretty sure i've told you she's like no i didn't know she's like why is he why is he wearing a mask this is stupid <laughs> but um this match uh, i had a similar experience to you jeremy where like i saw the ratings beforehand so i'm watching it and um, I was just like, you know, it's a really good match, but it's not anything great. And I didn't think it was trending to be like a classic, but those last five to 10 minutes, whatever it was, are just so high level and so emotional. Like it is really like fighting spirit, like personified, um, you know, Hiromu is kind of like this generation's modern day tiger mask and tiger mask had you know obviously dynamite kid was like the famous you know feud but there were other guys like you know kuniaki kobayashi and and stuff like that he had other rivals that don't get as much uh you know prestige or attention and i kind of think the desperado feud is sort of becoming the same way for hiromu where it's like you know he might have his dragon lee over here but he's also got desperado right here which is pretty awesome um, I think we've already found one of our first quote unquote moments of the year in New Japan with this this map this unmasking. Like it was uh something I'm gonna remember for a long time, probably be talking about for a while too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, great moment. Um in a way it, it kind of reminded me of like a, a Keishin Liger moment where like the mask gets ripped and yes. Keishin Liger's underneath and it's ready to go to war. That's kind of the feeling I got. Like, the mask came off, and it's like, all right, Despy, he's ready to go to war. He's ready. And then, yeah, like that little last 10 minutes. Because like, that was, like, about the 20-minute call when that happened. And then the last 10 minutes were just was absolutely incredible. They stole that, that shit from him. That's literally the notes I wrote down, is that it's a Kishin Liger <laughs> sort of thing where it, it's just it's just so much to take in all at one time. That's yeah. awesome. And just so many great, like, near falls and submission. Um, obviously, you know, Hiromu, he's pulling a page out of Dragon Lee's book where they kind of tap the mat cause as they're trying to crawl the ropes. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know. I don't know. That was pretty questionable. <laughs> and even Red Shoes was like, 
<laughs> are you tapping? Are you? <laughs> That's what I do too. I do fake taps to get people to let go on the holds. Uh, and so yeah, the closely of submissions there with the numero dos, and then even I think there was a pinche loco near fall uh, towards the end there too. Which Wait, was, so is the stretch muffler? Is that the numero dos? Yeah. Okay, yes. I never know what to call that. I'm like, I don't know. He's got him in the Brock lock. <laughs> I think it's it's difficult because Japanese commentary tends to use the numero dos, and then I often hear Kevin Kelly use both of them interchangeably, so it gets a little confusing. I don't know if the stretch muffler, if one has like one few one less arm involved, or well, technically any any time you have the leg draped over the neck like that, that's a stretch muffler. Period. And so this, the numero. But how do you level? How do you parlay that into the numero dos? What is added? Or what it's, what it's limb him, is taken into? It's him grabbing both arms as the full extension of the of the move. So that's his variation of a stretch muffler. But because I didn't know, I've never heard. I, I guess I just keep not hearing it. So I'm like, what the fuck is the name of this move? Like I don't know what to call it. I know I pay attention because like we we keep forget. I keep. Not knowing what it was called for weeks now, so finally, like, yeah, I heard Kevin and them calling numero dos. I'm like, all right, finally, I know the name of this. What he calls it? I, I'm not a names guy. I've, I don't know if if you ask me the majority of the the rosters like finishing move name, I don't know. <laughs> and I've been watching for years. <laughs> See, and I and I am a names guy, and so it was like killing me that I couldn't, I didn't know the name of what he was calling. I'm uh, like, I don't know. He's got him in a Brock lock. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we do have some questions here about this match. Uh, first one, we're going to use a Rambo and Slam Pig. His death brought over Soromi was pure fire, and I loved every second of it. Do you think Despy stinks back down into junior tag title mid-card status, or is he made as a relevant junior heavyweight main event standout? Is he following Lucha rules regarding disc- discarding his mask? Well, uh, I'll start. I don't think it applies to Japanese. <laughs> uh, it's not quite the same thing. I mean, Liger has been unmasked multiple times. So has Tiger Mask. And those are probably the two most relevant and big names in Japanese wrestling when it comes to masks. And it's never been really a big, big deal. Um, so, no, I, I mean, it, it's not the same cultural sort of thing as, like, you know, the whole Lucha Libre tradition um i don't think despy is sinking back down to junior tag title mid-card status because headlining the super juniors is a really really big deal and i think that he had a showing and a performance that was so so big that i think they're gonna uh see potential in him down the line to continue to draw money especially with hiromu maybe others but definitely with hiromu so uh i i don't know if he's gonna win the title or anything like that for sure, but I definitely think he's going to be headlining other shows down the road. Uh, I I don't think it hurts him either. I don't. I think as the junior heavyweight tag champion right now, he's kind of stuck having to shoulder both of those belts. Well, I mean, now that Kanemaru is back, but we'll get to that later. Um, I would like to see some baby faces hold the, that belt for a little while before it gets put onto another heel wrestler. Because I don't see him dropping the mask and joining like Hauntai or defecting to Chaos or and switching up his entire character. Um, yeah, I don't think I think to go back to the Kitchen Lager comment, I think the mask would come off in high stakes matches like the final was. 
I don't see him unmasking permanently, but I, I, I do see him taking it off when it, it, in, it prevents him from doing his job. Yeah, I agree. agree if, it, if it's ripped and it's flapping all over the place, I mean, it makes more sense just to toss it off and just go to work, as it were, and be mad about it because, you know, those getting those made aren't cheap. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, every time I see a Luchador's mask gets ripped, I'm like, I hope that guy's going to buy you a new mask because I know those, <laughs> those things are super expensive. Like, every, like Pentagon and Phoenix are like famous for it. Like they rip each other's masks like, all the time. Yeah, but they sell them anyway, so right. they make the money they back. That, they got but... that Tony Khan money, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll see. We've we've seen just people, you know, not care about the masks in the past. So I'll see that that like you mentioned, Josh, that Lucha kind of tradition doesn't really uh, hold with with the Japanese mask wrestlers. You, you notice he also came out in the all white, which yes. harkens back to his debut when he first came in as El Desperado and he was a face character and there was a little bit of, a, like, when once I saw that, I was like, hmm. I mean, he's done that before, but I think the last time he did it was in the Super Juniors two years ago when they were, like, clearly building stuff up between him and Hiromu and him and uh, Dragon Lee. Yeah. He and Bushi both tend to wear white when it's a very important match. Well, I think all wrestlers do. Yeah, that's like a, a pro wrestling trope. You know, the big, you know, WrestleMania match or the big, your first title match. A lot of wrestlers will either bust out the white boots or like the all white gear. Rhea, Rhea Ripley came out in the white this year and yeah. lost. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but um, the thing with him, though, that's significant is that, like, it's more reminiscent to his original attire, right? You know, which he doesn't really wear anymore. Yeah, and I think that yeah, this is a, this is a starting of him kind of being more of a player in the singles role in, in the junior division. Also, with the, with the lack of junior tag teams, I mean, he'll he'll always be a player there with as long as Kanemaru is is active with Suzuki Gun. But yeah, I definitely think down the line we will see uh, more Desperado, maybe more junior challenges, maybe potentially even some, a junior title run. At some point in the future, maybe Despy Goon. I don't know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question here from Reddit user Viking Pain. It says that Hiromu match was a star making one for Despy. What does he do from here? Junior title run, moving up to heavyweights. He should not move up to heavyweight. Uh, Correct. He could. He's got the size to do it, but not enough of a size or a physique to do it and really have great success yet. Um, so yeah, I think the junior title is the next thing for him. I'm not saying he wins it right away, but I definitely think he needs to be in contention for it and be one of the main guys so that, you know, next year when we're doing a super juniors, we're not talking about like, Oh, they got Despy in here. It's like, no, they got fucking desperado. It's awesome. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the things I'd like to see him do is kind of like, you know, what, if I'm not mistaken, he did it last year against Shingo. Is that fight open weight? Let yeah. the juniors fight the heavyweights. Yeah, he challenged uh, Shingo this year. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was this year. Yeah. So it's one of those things where I don't think he needs to move up to heavyweight. I'd rather he not because they're jun- the 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 options in the junior division are rather slim as it is. Um, but I would like to see more juniors fighting open weight. Yeah, he's definitely needed as a player in the junior division. I think you know if Hiromu. Uh, leaves uh, January 5th with the, the junior title. If he makes it January 5th and, and wins the junior title, I think you could definitely run back this Hiromu Despi match at one of these big shows, maybe New Beginning or one of the bigger shows later on in the year, 
heck, maybe even another you know Super Junior big match if we get a Super Juniors in April. Uh, I definitely think yeah, there there is uh, you know money to be made with Desperado kind of as, as a top heel in that division. And yeah, I would also love for him to do more open weight stuff, especially if you have an open weight champion like Shingo who just recently came out of the junior division. It's not like super huge. Um, it could be realistic that Despy could could pull one over on somebody like a Shingo. Well, they've had um, multiple people in the past challenge for like the open weight title, but um, the only real junior that's held it successfully was Will Ospreay. Um, and if I'm looking at the current roster of guys, the only two currently that I can think like have the frame for it and believability Desperado is one of them, maybe a little less so, and then Hiromu's the other. So that that is a possibility that w- they could go for the Never title. I hadn't thought of that, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah. Uh, next question here from Radito Grunty Dog. This is last week you had the best of Super Junior tournament as a whole as a C-, minus. assuming you love the finals as much as everyone else. Is a great finale enough to bump that mark up to a C? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is now firmly a C. <laughs> I don't know. I think I would go C plus. No, it was a bad tournament. What do you think? With, with a fantastic finish. I think, well, I'd give it a B minus with an asterisk because they made the most of with what they had. Okay. Because two of their most popular juniors were out injured. Kanemaru wasn't there. Yo wasn't there. Oh, also, Tiger Mask was out as well. They couldn't bring very many people over from abroad. The field was significantly smaller. So, yeah, it might not have been what we're used to, but given the time they had, the people they had, it was pretty good. Was it, like, blow the doors off the the car grate? Some matches were, but as a whole, I don't think it was a C. To be fair, I'm grading on a down curve. Was it good? <laughs> it was good. It, I mean, like, in terms of was it, was the wrestling good, it's good. But it's also, like, to me, it's like it's the Super Juniors and it's New Japan. So I kind of gave it a little bit of a down grade mm-hmm. just because in comparison to what we're used to from Super Juniors. But right. I, I agree with everything. I, that I gave it said. the COVID upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could be inclined to go as high as C+. plus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like like our grades carry any weight, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, uh, question here from Marisa Germanis said: Should Ellis Rado keep his mask off? It got a big reaction, but Christmas wouldn't be special if you had it every day. I think it's. I think there are positives and minuses to wrestling with a mask, and uh, there might be a time where he wrestles without the mask. Um, and maybe later he puts it back on. I mean, we've seen this happen before with um, other superstars. You know, um, Kendo Cashin comes to mind, so does Super Strong Machine, different people like that. So, I mean, um, I think whatever makes him the most money and uh, draws the most attention, that's what matters most. What do you think, Karen? Oh, well, one of the things that is unique about Desperado is that he's one of the handful of masked men that they have in New Japan and his masks are beautiful and wildly popular. Um, as much as I would like to see him wrestle unmasked because, you know, 
as Josh's girlfriend said, he's a very handsome man. Um, I think part of his mystique without, you know, if he's going to stay as El Desperado is the mask. So I, I, I could see him, you know, maybe he does kind of like when he did that death match where he does like the half mask mm. or he does, you know, something different with it. I don't know, but I, I think he'll take it off when he's ready to take it off permanently, but I think he's probably going to keep it on just a bit longer. Yeah, I feel like this Desperado character is just so established, and I still think there's more to kind of get out of that character. And so, yeah, I, I can continue to see him wearing the mask. Kind of like we mentioned, maybe in big matches it gets ripped, and then he just rips it off because he doesn't care. Um, and who knows, yeah, maybe down the line you could do something with him without the mask. But I think for the foreseeable future, he will continue with the mask. You guys want to hear something? Um Great O'Conn's shirt has been a top 10 seller for the past six weeks. His towel sold out in mere hours. So, uh, you know, this guy's a charisma black hole. He's going to fail, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what the, all the, the dirt sheets are saying. No, it's just one man. His name is Dave, <laughs> David Meltzer. <laughs> that's his name. I don't know him. Sorry. <laughs> so uh, one thing we got to do, uh, we got to give our final grades for all the participants in Best of Super Juniors and World Tag League. Uh, so we can kind of go through this real quickly and kind of give our grades for each of the competitors, each of the teams that were in this tournament. So we'll start off with Best of the Super Juniors, and we'll start off with Desperado. Karen, what, what's your grade? Uh, solid B. I, that's because, a, because there are some matches where I felt like you kind of phoned it in. I, I 100% agree. I'm going to go solid B. I will also go with a B. Then we have Hiromu Takahashi. I mean, he won it, so I guess he's our A. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will also go A. I think he was the MVP of the tournament. Yeah, I mean, if you look at all the recommended matches from this tournament, Hiromu is in the majority of them and uh, never phoned it in. It was in several main and semi-main events. So, yeah, I'm going A for the ticking time bomb. Then next up we have the current IWGP Junior Champion, Taiji Shimori. I'm going to give him a B plus. Mm. Oh, only because, and this I think this is not his fault, but as the champion, he should have had a lot more main event matches. Hiromu should not have had, as a non-champion, all the number of main event matches that he did. Master Wato should not have had <laughs> as many main event matches at, or upper card matches as he did. Um, but Ishimori did bring... No, no, you know what? Maybe an A-. minus Because he did bring out a lot, especially with Uemura. Yeah, you and match was awesome. his match with Robbie was really, really good. And his match with Sho was really, really good. Right, I'm going C-plus on Ishimori. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I was wow. thinking. I was also thinking C-plus. Uh, the, heart I, wants, the heart wants, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I thought Ishimori wrestled. I agree with everything you said, Karen. But I also think that when he was given those uh, spots on, on the undercard, he wrestled like it. I think he phoned it in for most of the tournament. The performances that you mentioned did stand out, but for the majority of it, I mean, it's a lot of matches should have been better. The show match should have been a lot better, you know? Um, it wasn't for whatever reason, and it, I don't blame show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a lot of matches that just should have been a lot better. Yeah, I felt like he kind of slept walked his way through this tournament. That's what I felt like. I felt like he was, uh, he was, 
you know, pouty face because they were pushing Hiromu. <laughs> well, one thing I noticed was that when he beat Sho on the last night, even though he won, he didn't look happy about it. Mm-hmm. Because he knew that neither him nor Sho were going to the finals. <laughs> uh, so speaking of Sho, that's the next person that needs a grade. I'm not going first on this one. You okay. guys go first. Uh, with Sho... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, with show, I'm gonna go. I will go. You know, I'll go solid B as well. Um, I think I I think he trended higher than Desperado, so I could even maybe go B plus. But uh, I, I didn't think it was quite enough to do an A. But I thought he had a really great tournament. I thought it was a more consistent tournament than any of the tournaments he's had before. But it didn't peak as high as some of his previous tournaments where he had like. You know, the Shingo match or like the Dragon Lee match, Cheetah match. Yeah, some really high level matches. But he had great, he had really good matches all throughout the tournament. So I I don't know B B plus probably B. Yeah, I'm going B plus. I thought Show was definitely one of the standouts here in this tournament, and just you know with with Rapungi 3K seemingly like it's it's on on Death's door. I thought this was kind of a great tournament for him in in the singles role, um, and kind of the start of him. Becoming, you know, a junior star, and I thought, you know, he had a lot of very good matches. So B plus. I'm going to give him a B plus. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, as you guys know, I wanted him to win, and there were certain matches of his that were absolutely amazing. But it's like what we talked about after we went off the air last time is that there's a, there's certain X factors that shouldn't factor into him winning especially because they're not related to wrestling. They're related to his personal life. Um, But what I loved about it was that since last year's Best of the Super Juniors, it's been a slow burn, but he's building momentum and people are taking notice of him. And I think he, like, I listened to Tanahashi's podcast earlier this week and Tanahashi basically said he's one step away from it. Yeah. he's, Mm -hmm. He's on the precipice of getting to be called the junior ace. And I think next year might be his year. I'm looking forward to it. I hope that ends up being the case. Yeah. That, I think, yeah, that next year could definitely be show's year. All right. Let's talk about Bushi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so I'm going to, I'll just start off Bushi. I'm going, um, C flat C. Nothing was great. Nothing was really terrible. This is the most mid wrestler of all time. <laughs> yeah, going C as well. Like we've been saying for these last couple of weeks, his matches are fine. He's the definition of the gentleman's three, the good little hand. Goes out there, has a, a good, it's a good professional wrestling match, but obviously nothing was blow away or great. So, yeah, flat C. I don't think he had a single standout match. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. When, I think maybe the Hermo match. Is- I think he's all he's yeah. resigned. He was resigned from the very beginning that he knew he wasn't going to win it. So he was like, you know what? I'll go in. I'll do my job. I'll do it well, and then I'll walk out. The Hiromu match was really good, though. Yeah. You go. You're going to see also, Karen. Yeah, solid C. So now the uh, the way to the Grandmaster Master Wato. This is a tough one. Um, I guess I'll throw it to you guys. I'm somewhere between like B minus and C plus. I there were like there were some times where he was good. There was a lot of times where he's bad. It was really inconsistent. I don't really know how to rate the 
this crap. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I'm going C+. The beginning of this tournament was pretty rough. There was a lot of uh, sloppy spots, botches, some dangerous botches, especially in that Robbie Eagles match, dropping Robbie on his head. Uh, but then kind of in the midpoint of the tournament, things kind of turned around. He started um, having some better performances, so I'll, I'll go C+. Uh, I'm going to give him a C-. minus. I don't – I try to uh, appreciate his matches. They just don't do anything for me. And I am a little salty that he he pinned Desperado, so at some point he's going to find a tag partner and challenge for those belts. The Gucci. But, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. There's just he's missing an X factor, and I don't know why they're pushing. They were pushing him so hard in this tournament because you know in previous years, Sho and Yo never got to eight points. I think last year they were they were at six. Mm. If that, so I just I don't understand if Watto's success was because of him as a wrestler or because Tenzon was his second. I just think it's uh, you know a young lion coming back from excursion. Yeah. They they want they want to give him something. Um, you know, before his tournament, he really didn't have any breakout stuff. I mean, he was he had the the small little Suzuki Goon feud with um, Doki and Kanemaru. And then G1 happened. So I feel like they were kind of hoping that this would kind of maybe be the, the breakout, like, you know, coming out party for him. And I don't think it, it was what they were expecting. He's the, sh- he's the Shuyaku. He is not the Shuyaku. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next we got Robbie Eagles. Um, Robbie, I thought, was fantastic in this tournament i didn't think he was given as many top opportunities as i'd liked or hoped but i thought he maximized what was given to him i'd probably just go b same i I think i'd go b plus um i thought again he was towards the upper echelon of performers in this tournament even though he didn't have his ass beat he did but (laughs) he, he didn't have many main events but i thought he's the one guy that was definitely performed whether he was in the middle of the card or towards the end of the card. He was performed. He, he didn't mail it in. He gave great performances every night. He did, but there's a difference between the kind of performance he put in and then someone else we're going to talk about. So I gotta go B because he ain't. He wasn't on this level. This I can't go back level. <laughs> uh, so next up, the coach Chris Gattaguchi. Oh, uh, C minus. Um, I thought this like Taguchi's worst. Super juniors in a decade. He's usually this like sleeper banger. Like I know he always has comedy in his matches, so I don't fault him for that. But not only was it comedy, but it was also ass based comedy where like I don't really want to see his butt that often. <laughs> and it just kind of became the one running gag story of the whole tournament. Plus he lost like every match. Plus we never really did see big match Taguchi show up like we're used to. He usually has like one or two sleeper hits throughout the tournament. And that just kind of, I don't know, I guess you could count the Hiromu match, but for the most part, he just kind of didn't do that. And maybe, maybe that, maybe we're at the end of big match to Gucci, you know, that might be done. Um, so yeah, C, I, I don't know. What I say? C minus. Yeah. Yeah. C minus. Where are you going, Karen? I'm going to give him a solid C, even though it seemed like he was kind of resigned to losing a lot. Um, he did put over people I didn't expect. 
like show finally getting a win over Taguchi was a very big deal because he never had one. Um, I could have done again less with seeing his backside. It was, it you know I know that's his shtick, but it it kind of made it seem like he didn't care about the tournament at all. Like he there again, you know he's supposed to be a sleeper, you know dark horse and. I don't feel like he ever really showed up. Like he just, I mean, he showed up physically, but I don't think he, <laughs> he was out like any, like I, don't, I can't name a single match of his that I'm like, this was a match I have to watch again. Yeah. He was, very, he was very forgettable this time around. And I'm wondering with Taguchi, you know, so much of what he does relies on crowd interaction and crowd response. So I'm wondering if he was just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to kind of goof off because I'm not going to really kind of get the reaction that I want. Or maybe it just kind of fell flat because he couldn't get that reaction. Yeah. And he was just doing it every night. Um, yeah, I'm also going to go C-. minus. Uh, I, I could be even tempted to go D. <laughs> uh, Thought about it. <laughs> I, yeah, just, you know, like I was saying last week, too much too much ass-based offense. Um uh, this is the second week you've used ass-based offense as like a, you know, <laughs> as a terminology, and you said it with full seriousness both times. An actual assassin. Yes. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll be. I'll go C minus for the coach here. All right. So let's talk about Doki. I am going B plus on Doki. <laughs> you know why? Because this man wrestles like, I'm not going back. Yes. I cannot go back. There's no other direction other than forward because failure is not an option. This man fights like his entire career is on the line every <laughs> single night. He cannot go back to those grimy indies in Mexico. <laughs> he, can, he cannot go back to the mud holes You know he was wrestling in. Um, I'm also going B plus for Doki. Incredible performance throughout the tournament. Uh, you know, if you if you average up the star ratings, he he's up towards the top. Gave it his all every night, despite losing a majority of his matches. Uh, so yeah, B plus. I would be inclined to agree. I did enjoy Doki, and I'm glad that this year he wasn't a substitute for someone. Well, he was. Oh, was he? Well, for Kanemaru? For I thought he was last re, year. For Ryu Lee, well, most well, likely. Well, technically, oh. he was. Technically, I mean, in kayfabe, he was not a replacement because Ryu Lee was never announced. announced but, but it was reported it. that Ryu Lee was in Japan, had to go back, and that it, the reports are that Doki replaced Ryu Lee. This man, oh. Doki, wasn't even going to be in the tournament. And he's like, I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> I will do whatever it takes. Yeah. No, I really, I actually have, have taken a, a shine to Doki. For a while, I was like, mm, I don't know, but I don't know. Something, something about Suzuki Goon this year. They're just, they're piquing my interest, probably yeah. because they're they're fighting as if their entire career depends on it. Yeah, nothing about Doki screams tweener. Smith carries <laughs> a metal pipe to the. <laughs> <laughs> and I love you know, if, uh, the English commentary. Gino has uh, doned his uh, his. Choke hole, the, the, was it the Doki Choki? Yeah, choke? the Doki Choki. Yeah, yeah. the Doki Choki. <laughs> I mean, I, it's a double arm bar, but okay. <laughs> and then last but not least, Young Lion, Yuya Uemura. I'm going solid B. Um, I think that he did as well as he could have possibly been expected to do in the spots that they gave him. 
with the opportunities that they gave him, and I thought he excelled. I'm going to also go with a B. This boy is going to be a star one day, hands down. Definitely, yeah, I'm going to go with B. A lot of great performances for Yu uh, Yu Mora. Um, yeah, it's a real standout, a lot of fire. Um, he's in a similar spot to like Ren Narita was in last year's Best of Super Junior, really given this this opportunity. Uh, in a way, just it kind of reminds me of the, the the trial series that they were doing with Kitamura um, before uh, he left New Japan, and he was getting those kind of series of big singles matches. And so it's, that's kind of what it was here for Yumura. He got a chance to kind of get mix it up with some of these guys and gain a ton of experience that he probably wouldn't have gotten if he was not in the tournament at all. So great work there by Yu Yumura. Uh, so now we will move on to grading the teams in the World Tag League. So we'll start with uh, the, the runner-ups here in uh, Finn Juice, Juice Robinson, and David Finley. What are you giving them, Karen? Well, I mean, they are they are the runners runners up. I give them a solid B plus. Um, I was kind of upset that they released a shirt that said Moikai Moipai, which means one more time we're going to win again, and then they didn't win. Mm. So I I always get I always get mad about those merch grab shirts where I'm just like, oh my gosh, this could be they could do it back to no. They're no. they're they're finessing out here. Why two uh, One of the things I did miss this year compared to last year is that I like it when they wear matching gear. Yes. Yeah. Last year they were very matchy matchy, and it was it made them feel like a cohesive tag team. This year, this is why I gave them a B. I don't feel like they were as cohesive as they've been previously, which was weird. Juice was like, "Nah, I'm wearing this Blues Brothers stuff. <laughs> I'm wearing my G1 gear, and you're gonna deal with it." Sorry, brother. <laughs> this is the only gear I packed. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what what rating did Karen give him? B. B. Um, I will, uh, you know, I'm going to go, you know what? That sounds fair. I will go B on the world tag league scale. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be very clear. We're grading on the world tag league scale. It's a different scale. <laughs> uh, I'll go B also. I, I do think they were, uh, one of the, um, toward the, toward the top, uh, as far as performers in this tournament. So next up the, the winners, the world tag league winners, girls of destiny, Tamatonga Tangaloa. I'll go solid C plus. I thought that they were fine through and through. Karen, I'm gonna give them a B minus. I knew it because I I liked. <laughs> it's because she likes Tama. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I like Tama thing. Uh, no, I liked that they came in with a grittier attitude that they hadn't had in a while, yeah. and I felt like they were like if you, comparing it to them on New Japan Strong. I felt that they were more focused this time around and yeah. more out for blood. Um, and I did like going back to the matching gear. I liked that they even there were times where they were wearing they were from head to toe. They were matchy matchy. Yes. Because they looked not just like, you know, because they're brothers, but they looked like a proper tag team. Yeah, I think I'm going to go. I'm also going to go C plus. I, I like Tama also <laughs> um, <laughs> bought, bought me a beer in New York, but. I'm going to have to go C-plus here. I mean, there's a lot of matches where there was a ton of cheating, ton of interference, and um, that kind of brought some of their matches down. But overall, I mean, they were they were a solid team, solid performance. Although I agree with all the points that 
She almost sold me on a on a B minus. I'm I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great negotiator. <laughs> uh, the current IWGP Tag Champs, Dangerous Techers, Tai Chi and Zack Saber Jr. Uh, you know, I will go B plus. I thought they trended just a, a bit higher than Juice and Finley. Uh, makes sense because I think that they were probably the tag team of the year last year. I do think this is the first year that they are not the MVPs of the World Tag League in the last three, last two years. I thought they were this year. I think they got edged out, but uh, I thought they still had a very strong, solid, you know, tournament. I'll, I'll, I'll also give them a B plus. Um, I found it interesting that in both tournaments, neither champion made it to the finals. They got edged out when it came to wins and losses. Um, I, I I try to like Tai Chi and Zach. I try, but they're not my cup. But oh, I I I, 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 get, I get why people <laughs> like them. Um, but yeah, yeah, they were consistent and they were consistently good. So yeah, I'm also gonna go B plus. Uh, I'm a big uh, fan of the Dangerous Tickers. Also. And I thought they were very versatile in this tournament. There's a lot of matches where they kind of had to, to play that bay face role. And, you know, you know, they would have to get the heat on Zach and get, get the hot tags of Tai Chi. And then there was times where they were the dashly heels and getting the heat on the bay faces. And consistently having um, very good to great matches. Also, they were highlighted in a lot of main events and semi-main because they were the champions. So, yeah, B+. Plus. I give them a B for the in-ring work. I give him the plus for the backstage promos. <laughs> uh, next team we got is Shingo Takagi and Sonata. Um, I'll start us off. I'm giving them, I'm giving them only a B plus as well. So I didn't think any team deserved an A. To be honest with you, I didn't think anyone was consistent enough to be like, you're at that level. But this is my MVP of the entire tournament. I thought they had the best matches throughout the tournament, um, just through and through. And, yeah, just really good team. I'm going to give them an A- and hear me out. Because even <laughs> when they lost, they never looked weak. Mm. Like, they're, all their losses made sense. One person wasn't the designated, you're going to eat the pin, you're going to deal with it, you're going to be fine with it. It was, I found them to be a very balanced tag team for it being their first time properly tagging since, you know, the era of Sana Evil. So, <laughs> right. Um, and story, the storytelling in the ring versus, and their backstage promos or, you know, Sonata's lack of backstage promos. It just, it made me, it left me wanting more. And in World Tag League, there weren't many matches or unfortunately many of these pairings that gave me that feeling. Yeah, you made a great case there. I could, you could again, you could talk me into the A minus, but I think I'm also going to go uh, B plus. Um, definitely agree with you, Josh. That they were the MVPs of the tournament. I thought they gelled together very well. Um, and Shingo's a guy we talked about. He's a guy that's going to give it his all, regardless of what type of match it is, what place in the card it is. And I thought his energy helped elevate Sonata, and Sonata kind of fed off of his energy. Um, and improve his performances in this tournament. So, yeah, B+. Plus. So, the next up, uh, Tomohiro Ishii and Toroyano. I will go, you know, I'm going to go B- minus with them. Why? You know, <laughs> <laughs> we've spent, I've spent so much time talking about them throughout the year. I just, 
it's, it's Ishii and Yano. They, they, they were good. B minus. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with a C plus. I just, I, I find, I find their, uh, their, their dynamic fascinating because it's, probably the most colorful character within chaos with the like the most serious character in chaos but but they, I, never, I just, but they never play off of it in any way it just correct. happens to exist for it's <laughs> like they're, they're like two they're like it, it's kind of like mega aces you got two great wrestlers that are just together like i i don't feel like there was enough cohesion with them normally they they actually usually have really great tournaments this time i thought they just had an average tournament with a few really good matches I didn't think they did enough to deserve a B, but I didn't think they were bad enough to deserve a C. So I think that's why I went B minus. That's my whole thinking. I, I'm with Karen here. I'm going to go with C plus. Um, I thought, honestly, when Ishii was in there, Ishii was great, but I do feel like Yano was maybe more on the on the on the downside when he was in there. It was also I think it was also I know his stick, but I definitely think like. Their matches were more more goofy than they typically are right. in previous World Tag Leagues. Like you mentioned, normally they're like one of the serious contenders. They're one of the best teams in the tournament, um, usually. And, yeah, they're, they're former IWGB Tag Team champions. How? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting a little bit more from them. So, yeah, C+. I think the hard part is that, like, I felt like their tag team was eclipsed by Yano's campaign for King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah. And his... His David Star length intro. Yeah, like, it used to be cute when he had like just the DVD to sell, or just like you know the Nobori Betsu uh, ambassador, tourism ambassador. But his his intro is now so long that I'm just like, get on with it. This, this man's getting all the gimmicks out here. And then and <laughs> he's just like, all right, I, I was ready to fight five minutes ago. Why are we still doing this? Right. All right, fine. C, C plus. You guys. Talk no, you have to change your no, mind. No, no, it's fine. C plus. You guys talk me into it. Whatever. <laughs> Fine. I'm uh, stupid. You guys are smart. Whatever. <laughs> Nobody said you're stupid. <laughs> um, the next team, the other chaos team of Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. I guess I'll start us off. Um, how about this one? B minus. Because <laughs> I thought because I thought they were a little bit better than Ishii and Yano. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go flat B. Um, once again, you know, Yoshihashi's on this, you know, this end of this year, he's been on this campaign to, to be better and to, you know, keep getting back up and keep fighting. And, you know, we saw his great G1, this, this never six-man title run that they've been having with Goto and Ishii. And, you know, I thought both of them looked really well together, worked well as a team, um, and ha- you know, we're, we're solid. So flat B. I, too, would give them a flat B. I feel like... Both of them, these are, well, Goto is getting back to the Goto that I always heard about, but as a newer fan, haven't really seen much of. And then, as you said with Yoshihashi, Yoshihashi's on this, I want to be G1 Yoshihashi winning all the things all the time, and I'm here for it. He's fired up. Um, I I think they've put more thought into their their tag moves together. Like there was a lot, they, they started doing a lot of their moves or combining their moves to make it feel very cohesive. Yeah. I agree with that. But I feel bad for Ishii cause he's kind of like the odd man out even in, in, in their little trio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, something, something really big happened on impact just now with 
Kenny and them. I don't know. I'm trying to find out what it is. I don't. It might even be like New Japan related. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. trying to see. Uh, so the next team, the the Empire team of Great Ocon and Jeff Cobb. Uh, for them, I'm gonna go B. I'm not quite B plus, but I thought they were fantastic throughout the tournament. I thought they worked a different style than everybody else. I thought they were a breath of fresh air, and um, they got over, especially Ocon, much to the, uh, you know, contrary to what you might hear from some certain uh, wrestling raiders and uh, (laughs) (laughs) journalists who saw him one time, no, (laughs) twice over the past, you know, few months and formed an opinion, and and that's the narrative that's being spun. (laughs) Uh, This man Ocon's going to be a star, and so is Jeff Cobb, so... I'm going to give them a solid B. I I love that this year Jeff Cobb his, his pre, compared to his previous World Tag Leagues, this is probably my favorite. Largely because in his role as the Hatchet, he's showing more personality and less comedy. I mean, I love cuddly comedy Jeff Cobb, but this like grittier Jeff Cobb, I'm really like all in on. Um, and yeah, it did. It made me pay attention to uh, Okarn a little bit more because at the at the offset of his return, like him, his time before he went on excursion was a time I wasn't watching. I hadn't started watching New Japan just yet, so I wasn't familiar with him. Mm. So this gave an, me an opportunity to pay more attention to his wrestling, and so solid B. Yeah, I'm also going to go with a solid B. Uh, like I've said the last couple of weeks, I definitely enjoy Jeff Cobb in this heel role. Uh, definitely feel like it, it suits him better. He's been having better performances. And I thought him and Ocon gelled really well together with this also being the first time they're teaming. And like you mentioned, Josh, it's a, a different style than everybody else. Um, it definitely kind of stood out to me. Also, they didn't really have any, like, blow away great matches. So that's why I kind of have them in, the, in that B range. Uh, so I, I I found Josh's nugget of what he wanted to know. All right, on impact. I, I found out what it is. It's not New Japan related. I people people in it's our not, di- it's not New Japan related. No, people in our Discord were like, you know, Bullet Club, Bullet Club, Bullet Club, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Bullet Club did some shit, and I'm oh, never mind. It's not Bullet Club. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> although <laughs> although it's, it does it's, sound exciting. It's interesting. That's for sure. It sounds exciting. I'm gonna go watch it when we get done with the show, but. Well, speaking of Bullet Club, that's the next two teams. Bo, 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 bo. <laughs> uh, first, the wow, Bullet Club team wow, wow. <laughs> of uh, Balak Fale and the Crown Jewel, Chase Owens. I don't know. Uh, C plus? Like, nah, know, man. They're, they're getting a D. Really? That bad? <laughs> they're fine. They were just like in opening matches doing comedy shit and then talk about, re- you know, stopping the count. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't matter. They're fine. Where are you going, Karen? I thought Fale. Uh, C minus. They did. They showed up. They did their job. They left. Yeah, C minus is there, fine. There's nothing particularly outstanding about any. Fale wasn't as bad as he normally is. Chase. He was, looks great. He, he lost looks a lot great. of weight. He looks really great. Chase wasn't as good as he usually is. He looks worse than he used to. So it kind of evens out. Is C minus is fine. Fine. I'll, I'll, I'll C minus. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we've they're seen doing s- the best they can. We've seen Jeremy. some truly horrendous fall A teams in the past we, that we, were we, way worse than this. That's true, true. Uh, so the other Bullet Club team, Evil and Yuro Takahashi. C. C. They're, they're fine. Yeah. And a lot of cheating, they sucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I did like Yujiro pulling that fast one on Chase by saying that Peter was here. Yes, that was hilarious. Again, because she's the real leader of Bullet Club. But she's yeah, the like, there wasn't one. anything particularly outstanding about their matches. They were very formulaic. Lots of dick togo. Yeah. Um, then last but not least, uh, Hinares, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Toa Hinare. Uh, I'll go B minus. I could even go C plus. I don't know. I'm somewhere between there and them. Uh, I think I'm flat B on them. I will not go any lower than a flat B. <laughs> principle. I mean, I, th- um, I thought they were great. I mean, like they put in good work, but they, I just didn't think they were given as many opportunities to, to be great. I mean, they had the really, really good match with, with LIJ that kind of stands out. I thought to the thing is Tanahashi was kind of just MIA most of the time. Like Hanari was shouldering almost all the work and he looked awesome, but he was also eating most of the falls. Like, uh, I don't even know Ta- Tanahashi should even been in this. They probably didn't yeah. want him to be in it. He probably just was like, I'm going to do it, <laughs> but I'm not going to tag in very often. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's, it's tricky because Tanahashi's at the age where, you know, he's been doing this for 20 plus years of his life and age and where are starting to show and he's doing the best he can. I think he's now in that position where he needs to think beyond himself and start thinking about the future of the company. So par- tagging with someone like Hanare, people would be like, why is he doing that? But he's ele- by doing that, he's elevating Hanare. It's true. And even though Hanare, you know, ate most of the pins, if not all of them, I think it was a good learning opportunity for him because this could, from this point, this could be Hanare's launching point. That's all true, and um, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's also the fact that Tanahashi probably feels like, well, there's not enough star power on this tour. We're, you know, in, in a downturn. I need to be on there. Right. That makes I sense. mean, it probably wasn't necessarily his choice either, because if he wasn't on it, I, it considering that they didn't have Okada or Osprey or Jay or Ibushi, I think had Tanahashi not been on it, there would have been a lot of pushback, especially from the fans. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Because, you know, they're the ones buying the tickets to keep the lights on at the moment right now. You're right. But here's the other so, thing. I think he wants to be on them. Like, oh, I, yeah. And, and He's a workaholic yeah. like Naito. They, they, they're they're going to like be like taping their bodies together <laughs> but, but just, here, just to get down there. But here's my gripe with it. This is not anything out of the ordinary for Tanahashi. This is like a decade's worth of tag leagues where he's never going to win them, but he comes out here with a partner and this is just what happens. It's like whoever, whoever's teaming with Tanahashi in the tag league, it's kind of a blessing, but also a curse. It's like the kiss of death. Like you're going to eat a shit ton of falls because you're not going far because it's not a real tag team. Right. You know? So that's sort of my thing. It's like, I kind of know what to expect with a Tanahashi tag league. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with it because the Tokyo Dome is right around the corner. So it's just them's be the breaks. It's a necessary evil. Yeah. Because that was the only way that they were going to be able to set up Okan's match. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They definitely wanted to do that that angle of Okan towards the beginning and then also towards the end of the tour. So, yeah, they needed the ace on there. But I said all that to say this. It's hard for me to praise a team that Tanahashi has during Tag League when I know what the deal is. You know, and it kind of kills a lot of the anticipation. It's like, oh, it's going to be at the bottom of the block. They're going to eat a lot of losses. And Tanahashi will do very little because, you know, the dome's around the corner. Right. 
Well, now it's time to uh, transition over to uh, the Super J Cup. Live. <laughs> live, Jeremy. The live Super J Cup. Uh, they made liars out of us. They did. A, a lot of people they made liars out of. Um, two questions real quick before we jump into the Never action. <laughs> uh, first one, Viking Payne says, I know that the English isn't his first language, but my God, Alex Kozloff is bad. He's not <laughs> funny or witty like Gino or knowledgeable like Rocky. He's just bad. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Kozloff? Ditto. <laughs> I, I pretty much agree 100%. I thought maybe as time went on, uh, he'd grow into the role and get better. Now, I will say this. I don't know that they're calling everything live when they do the recordings. I don't know how much post work is actually being done. But I imagine that because most of this is being shot all in bulk, all in one day, I don't know how much, like how many reps he's really getting to grow into the role when mm-hmm. it's all being done in one day. But um, with all that being said, yeah, he he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Karen? Uh, to touch on that, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they were batch taping a lot of this, the New Japan Strong show. So it was like two or three days of nothing but taping. So there isn't that much time, even if with someone who is as amazing at his job as Kevin Kelly is, without the ability to constantly practice, especially when it's not your first language it can be very difficult. Um, comparing him, I think the com- the comparison to Gino and Rocky is very unfair, largely because when they're all on tour together traveling in Japan, they're traveling for weeks at a time, if not you know up to six weeks or two months at a time. And they're working together nearly daily or every other day. So there's that constant contact, that constant ability to practice, improve, change, exchange notes. So I don't blame Kozlov's ability as a second language speaker or that, you know, his, that he's not funny. It's just that he probably needs more practice or more opportunity to hone his craft. Yeah. Because it, 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 I mean, it's one of those things where people, a lot of people aren't naturally charismatic or naturally funny. It's you, 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 some people are, are, you know, like take me for example, I'm stumbling over my words right now. Some people are able to do that very fluidly and very naturally, but it takes practice for most people. And if, you know, you're, if you're focusing on your craft as a wrestler, you're, you're not necessarily focusing on the podcast side or the commentary side or developing content where you're constantly speaking. Cutting a promo and doing running commentary for hours at a time are two different things. Right. It's like a sprint versus a marathon. The training's different, even yeah. though the occupation's the same. Yeah, I definitely think he would, would also benefit with more reps and outside like the batch kind of tapings they're doing. Uh, but, yes, based on what we're getting right now, yeah, it hasn't been um, the best. Uh, there are certain times, there are certain lines where he does pop me. I do think he, <laughs> he can be funny. Uh, but, yeah, he, he's still there's still a lot of work to be done there in that role. Yeah, but I mean, Lanny Poffo popped me a few times too. <laughs> oh, <boy>. The <laughs> champion of the English. <laughs> um, the next question here from Reddit user, why did you do that, bro? Said, who did New Japan think they were fooling presenting the Super J Cup as a live show? You. <laughs> and me. And literally the all of us, because we all were like, well, they, they're saying it's live, so it's going to be live. And then um, 
The funny, the funny thing is like TJP, Chris Bay, people like that. They're all on it. We're like, oh man, those uh, you know, those shows over for Impact. They must be taped because we know the J Cup's live. Turns out it's all taped. That show's taped. Our show's taped. Yeah, only uh, the AAA was live. Right, and and Leo Rush was on the AAA show, so that was that was another giveaway right there. <laughs> man, these guys, these workers, these carny. <laughs> Uh, well, let's uh, run through this tournament real quick here. So, uh, opening first round match, we had uh, Impact's Chris Bay defeating Clark Connors at 9 minutes and 36 seconds. So, a similar fate for Clark as in last year's Super J Cup being eliminated in the first round. Um, before we start that, uh, a couple things I do want to say. I was um, overall a little... I was a little taken back by the presentation i thought that there would be something to kind of differentiate this show from strong just in terms of the ambiance the look and the style and everything and there really was literally nothing like pretty much the trophy and jacket on display that was the the, the only difference there was a trophy and a jacket and i already kind of don't like watching strong because of the style of it like i'm just like man there. It's just not that great. And so we got into this and like I made the mistake of watching this after watching Triple Mania, after watching oh World God. Tag League and Super Jacob or uh, Best Super Junior. So I'm watching this. When I'm did like, you sleep? I watched it the next morning. Oh, okay. So then I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Chris Bay, Clark Connors, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and then also I had high expectations very high expectations for the show because i was like oh i mean look at the lineup it's gonna bang and it it didn't live up to what i was hoping for um but with this match i think we anticipate last week chris bay big star and impact current title challenger i saw a lot of new japan fans and fanboys saying clark connor's gonna run through him i'm like there's no way they're loaning chris bay to new japan for him to lose to a young lion in the first round of a tournament match. But I thought the match was very good for what it was for nine minutes. And uh, I thought both guys looked good. And I thought, you know, Chris, you know, he made a little impression for me. Yeah, I thought it was a, a solid opening round matchup. Uh, I do agree with your your sentiments on the, the presentation. Uh, essentially, it was just a, a strong uh, 1.5 show. What um, like... Yeah, a different kind of layout, different kind of look, but I guess I, I understand um, what the situation we're in that they had to do it that way. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was a, was a good opening matchup here. One reason too, I knew it. I started thinking it might not be live is because I I listen to a lot of podcasts that are set over in like California, and they're like everything shut down here now. They're like in a, in the middle of another lockdown. I'm like. Well, where are they? Rec- I thought I thought it was still live, so I was like, they must have moved the location. There's no way they could be doing it in California. And then I'm like, oh, it's the same set. Oh, it's not live. Because <laughs> yeah, that that's <laughs> wait the, for it. The studio. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, the studio they're filming at is shut down now. Yeah, so there's no way they could have done it if they had actually tried to do it live. Yeah. I'm trying to think back to last year's New Japan Cup, and I felt like the matches were a bit longer. And I think I that's the one thing about this entire the Super J Cup this year. I felt very underwhelmed by it, despite the amazing p- potential for it. Yeah, yeah, because I think also, they had three nights last. Yeah, time. last year it was yeah split up in three nights. Also, we yeah. had we had crowds, so yeah, there was yeah longer matches. Obviously, better reaction, better atmosphere. 
This remi- I went to two of the three. It was amazing. It, this kind of reminded me of like one of those King of the Ring pay-per-views, you know, those like early round matches, like five, six, seven minutes. They just kind of roll through and you're like, oh man, you know, Stone Cold versus uh, Shawn Michaels. That sounds awesome. And then it's like just kind of okay. And you're like, oh, okay. It's like, that's it. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh- so what did you think of uh, Chris Bay and Clark Connors, Karen? I think it was a good learning experience for both of them because, you know, this was Chris Bay's, you know, debut in New Japan, to my knowledge. Um, and Clark Connors, he's he needs to graduate from that Young Lion status. So I was co- kind of hoping that either I was hoping for a time limit draw on this one, but that would have eliminated both of them. <laughs> um, but it was... It was good, but I I just feel like there could have been more. Mm, yeah, I think that's going to be a you know reoccurring the, theme. a reoccurring theme yes. throughout the <laughs> show. <laughs> the the uh, next match, so Chris Bay moves on. We had ACH uh, defeating TJP nine minutes and fifty two seconds. Um, this is a match we've seen a couple times this past year uh, on commentary. I thought it was interesting. They acted like they had a lot of prior experience way back kind of ignoring like the AAW match they had this year kind of you know ignoring like all the other matches they they had this year as well so um you know we've seen some really 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 good matches between these two guys even just very recently in Chicago and I was sort of thinking like you know if they cut out some of the fluff and some of the gaga from that match and just like boil it down to the hits we might have something really good here Unfortunately, they didn't really do that. They kind of just kept a lot of the gaga and a lot of the fluff and threw a little bit of the hits in at the end. And it was just sort of like it was a lot less than it could have been. Yeah. I think we both thought it was going to be like the match of the first round. Yeah, it was just kind of (laughs) there. I agree completely. I think I think the hard part for me is that for ACH and TJP and Leah Rush to an extent as well, I feel like they still have that they've had to reprogram themselves when they were in WWE and there's residuals of that that still affects their wrestling now. Mm. Like they haven't gone back to completely back to their indies where they don't have to worry about camera angles and any of that stuff. So it was, uh, it, it could have been an absolute, like it could have been realistically a finals match and it just did. It was what it was. I, I was kind of like, oh, okay, it's good enough, but nothing to write home about. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, it's open and round match. I'm sure TGP. That's what I'm thinking. TGP is like, you know, it, let's do a quick 10-minute brother, <laughs> get in, get out, get our get our spots in. That's exactly what I, – I don't think it's it's for a lack of, like, ability. I think it's just they're like, first round, we're getting 10 minutes. There's no crowd. It's being taped weeks in advance. All right, brother, brother, let's do this. <laughs> What was the time limit for these matches? Like 30 minutes? I don't know. Uh, I, I think that like, it, that sounds right, and I think that's why I was frustrated by everything being <laughs> just around 10 minutes. And I'm like, Super Junior, like one episode was like three hours plus, but this was like condensed into like 90 minutes, if that. Well, I mean, ACH had a really good strategy for this match. He was able to best TJP in nine minutes and 52 seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did his damnedest. <laughs> uh, we had a question from Razor Viking Pain. Says, you guys keep calling TJP the great TJP. <laughs> I thought this was his nickname, but it's not. So is this a rib? LOL. If so, how did it start? 
Yes, it's a have, rib. Have we not re- I thought we explained this on the show before. We did explain it. So well, it- explain it to me, please. I'm very <laughs> curious about this question. Okay. So there was some tweets that went out a while back, where, or maybe it was like from an interview. I don't really remember. It was, it was tweets. It was like a couple months ago. Someone like at uh, someone was asking TJP like AMA style question, like okay. you know who have you been in the ring with that you've ever like you know learned the most from or gained <sighs> the most from or whatever, and he was okay. like. And he was literally like, well, I've been looking for that person my entire career. I've never learned anything from anybody. Unfortunately, I, since day one, I've been the best. Like, <laughs> Got it. Got it. So, so we're like, we always call him uh, in our group chats. We're always like, well, you know, the great TJP. I mean, he's better than Inoki and he's better than Tanahashi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's better than Liger. He's better than he's. Daniel Bryan was at Samoa Joe. They couldn't teach him shit. Like he was. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay, that makes a lot more sense now. He's the great TJP, and like, it's funny because like, as the show gets bigger and as we make more connections in like the wrestling community, the closer and closer we get to like making inflammatory remarks against people that I know are going to eventually hear them. Or like, I'm just waiting for the day when like a wrestler like reaches out and like, the fuck you say. <laughs> Don't be those guys. Don't, don't 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 get to that point. Yeah. Please, I'll really y'all in. I'm like y'all y'all need to slow down. Pump the brakes, please. Oh man. Uh, so the next matchup we had um, all heart Blake Christian defeating uh, Ring of Honor's Ray Horace. I thought this was one of the better matches in the first round. I thought Blake Christian came to play. Um, so did Ray Horace, and I think they they, they went. Um, Kind of all out here for this twelve minutes, and there are a lot of cool spots. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So here's the deal tonight. <laughs> so Kenny, Kenny, Kenny literally said the words "bullet club" during his uh, little thing on Impact tonight. Mm. He like said to the Good Brothers, "Why don't we reform the bullet club?" <laughs> 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 it's like they already exist. <laughs> Oh man, this shit's funny. Anyways, uh, <laughs> this um, I'll I'll go as far to say flat out, Phantasmo, or I'm sorry, Blake Christian versus Ray Horace, match of the tournament, match of the night, uh, close to four stars, maybe not quite that, but very close. Twelve minutes, excellent showing from both guys. We talked the other week about this being like a sleeper possibility of being like a really really like good match but it ended up being like the best match of the night and um i would like to see both of that well you know blake christian's there but he's kind of on he's a gcw guy so it's like is he gonna get signed sort of deal i would like to see him and ray horace spend a lot more time in new japan going forward this was my favorite match of the entire series um i'm vaguely familiar with uh, Ray Horace, but and Blake Christian, I've only recently started watching due to uh, Strong. Did he break his nose during that match, or did he, he did. get a bloody nose? Yeah, he broke his nose. Yep. <sighs> okay, that's what I thought. Uh, I, it was like that was just like a lot of blood for like a butt, like a, a you know a nose tap. But I was like, all right, it's probably broken. Um, but yeah, it was probably the most interesting of the matches. But I wish they would showcase them more. Because as as a, a newer fan, I don't watch GCW, so I, I all I know of his career is from New Japan Strong, and I feel like I'm I'm missing that one piece to make him really click with me. 
Mm. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I definitely feel like they should have done some more like profile pieces. Yeah, where was uh, that? Like before each match, like get some background on the guys if you weren't familiar with them and kind of just familiarize. Because if you haven't been watching Strong, like you mentioned, if you haven't been watching Strong and you don't watch GCW and you don't watch Ring of Honor, this was your first time seeing Blake Christian and Ray Horace. Um, so it'd been great. To, yeah, have some a profile package, give some history, some show some clips, some highlights of some of their matches, and they, then they yeah. showed a little bit. You remember, like they had the screen; it was all blued out, and you could see like them, you know, doing moves in their promotions. But it wasn't enough, you know. Right. Well, uh, like with Best of the Super Juniors, they had long interviews with like at least half of the the top contenders. And it was not just like one interview. Each person had like it was cut into two parts, and then they released it like leading up to the series. If this was taped weeks ago, or even when it was yeah. announced, I know Kevin and Kelly did some like some video interviews, but I feel like there could have been more promoting and yeah. more educating to get people hyped for this tournament. Well, yeah. it, it's it's not enough, especially when you're trying to. Um, when you do stuff like that, you put it on your website, the diehard fans like us who pay attention to everything, we're going to tune in. But the reality is is the popularity of the brand is on a downward turn here in the States. It's not where it was years ago. And you need to be trying to appeal to more of a mass audience. And where what's the greatest way of doing that? Putting it on the show. If it's auxiliary stuff, then the casual fan who might somehow tune into this or watch it, they're going to miss it. They're not going to see it. So it reminds me like when you watch like the early UFCs, which were also one night tournaments, you'd have a little profile. It doesn't even have to be long. One minute, two minutes, just like, Hey, I'm this person. I'm from here. This is my, this is what my goals are. This is what blah, blah, blah. And then you show some highlights of them wrestling from whatever their background is. That's it. Right. Did yeah. you guys watch the ROH Pure Tournament? I was, yes. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. like The way that they highlighted each competitor prior to that first round match was fantastic. 90 seconds, covered all the bases. And I just felt like there was more like it, there was more thought put into it. Right. And that's the like, if they're going to do these kind of bubble shows where they tape everything, that's the perfect format to do it in. Right. I mean, in, in all actuality, all wrestling shows should be doing that because that's how you actually make stars and get people invested oh, in correct. your characters. Yeah. Right. But I mean, in, in this particular situation, it's almost detrimental that they're not yes. having that, that, that personalized information provided or, you know, showcased. Yeah, if they had profiles here that you would have learned about the people and you would have gotten more invested in some of these opening rounds and invested in these guys and wanted to see them go further in the tournament. You had stuff like that, too, in the early um, Super J Cups, like 94, 95. They had profiles like that, like what we're talking about. It was like there's already a template. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Leo Rush's little movie doohickey that he did was it was entertaining. But if you don't know who Leo Rush is, you it tells you nothing about him. That that sort of thing is really important nowadays for the like individual performer who is um, doing like outside stuff. You know, uh, like Ricky Starks is really great at that sort of thing, but it's not going to get played on the main show. You know, yeah. so you need to have something that is for the product that's on the main show that like makes sense and is really translatable. Yeah, and just retweeting like the promos from like, or the, um, 
like the promo images from New Japan's one thing, but that doesn't that doesn't make me interested in you. It just shows me that you know how to use Twitter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They they should have been using strong to do some profile stuff and some hype stuff on the build up, and then on this show there should have been some profile stuff as well. I mean, this might sound crazy, but maybe throw it on the super junior or best of the super juniors the actual show that actual people watch right not strong (laughs) (laughs) you throw something strong no one's gonna see that's like throwing it on like 205 live no one's seen that right you know we got which is such a shame because 205 live has such amazing wrestling yeah (laughs) it's true yeah you know we got the we got these you know dong king videos for that comedian guy they they could have seen what is that thrown thrown (laughs) in you know a a uh, jacob video yeah, so that gentleman is one of the most iconic Japanese entertainers. Well, that's cool. But for <laughs> for some reason, he has a he has a com- comedy gimmick that looks like a Japanese Don King, and that's what they're going with. I'm not even going to criticize it because it's like they always do every couple years they do something wacky at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and it's like it's Wrestle Kingdom that they're going to do it. You know, it's whatever. I, well, it's like, you know, with NXT picking like random metal bands to like showcase music for whatever upcoming takeover that they're having. It's the same concept just yeah. with that particular ca- uh, character that's tailored specifically to the Japanese audience. Yeah. Again, another instance, inc- instance, sorry, in which I wish they would have provided some explanation to the English speaking audience. Of the, cause I was like, what's this guy all about? And I'm like, well, no, no. <laughs> Kind of a big deal, like where he's at. No, it's so much better when they give us no explanation. No information. <laughs> it's way better. Oh man! So let's talk about the final first round match here. Uh, Phantasmo taking he defeated uh, the moth. What, what's his nickname? The man of the hour. The man of the hour. The moth. The, the moth Leo Rush. Fifteen minutes, sixteen seconds. And um, you know, I saw a lot of people down in this match. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I, I really like this match too. Also, we, we got to talk about the the, the heel tactics that Phantasmo was doing throughout this tournament and what? blocking heel his heel tactics from El Phantasmo. <laughs> the and, audacity uh, and, and blocking his new entrance music. He's been hyping up this remix of his theme song for quite some time now, and he said, you know, Super Juniors was finally going or Super J Cut was finally going to be the moment where he was going to reveal the new entrance music. For the fans, and then his entrance comes, and the music has muted. Uh, it says due to copyright that you know no sound is being played, and we find out that El Fantasmo is holding up the promotion for more money for the rights of his remix music that he remixed to be played on their broadcast. In his defense, um, on one of Tama's Island's little like Zoom meetings that uh, Tama does, like the happy hour with one of his Patreon tiers, Phantasmo played it, and it's amazing. It's really, really, really good. So I get it. I actually appreciate that that little extra added layer of heel work added <laughs> on top of it. But again, uh, Super Jcast made an interesting tweet a couple of days ago. Who that? Super Jcast? Oh, we don't recognize them on the show. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm <just> playing. <laughs> but it was that the New Japan Cup, New Japan Cup USA, World Tag League, and Super J Cup were all won by Bullet Club Heels. Hmm. And the current contract holder is also in Bullet Club. So I don't know if like this year was supposed to be Bullet Club's year for all the things or, or what, but it's just 
like knowing that he's the only guy besides Clark Connors that's signed to a contract, it kind of made sense, but I kind of didn't want him to win back to back. Yeah, I mean, from day one, we looked we looked at the bracket and we're like, it's it's pretty clear Phantasmo is going all the way. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, back to this matchup. Yeah, I, I really did enjoy this match. It was an um, interesting story of you know Phantasmo not having a match since you know February or March and kind of having some ring rust and uh, you know purposely messing up some of his signature spots, the, the rope walking spot, just a couple other spots he was trying to pull off, the, the nip up spot. Um, and, you know, just showing that, that ring rust and eventually, you know, throughout the match trying to have him build back up to that and using shortcuts to uh, get the better of Leo Rush. One of my favorite things was uh, listening to one of the recaps. Um, Brian Alvarez was, like, telling Dave Meltzer how, like, he thought Phantasma might have actually had ring rust and that these might have been actual mistakes. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, weren't you a professional wrestler? Like, you, you can't tell that this dude is clearly, like, the first time I saw him fall, I was like, oh, that's part of this. Like, that's clearly part of the story because El Fantasma, first off, it was taped. So why would they leave that in there? You right. know, if they could have reshot it, if, if it was, uh, you know. It's live. It's live. <laughs> it's live. But, um, and then they, like, worked it into the story, and that's, like, what uh, Dave Meltzer was, like, telling Brian. Brian's like, well, I think the first one was a mistake, and then they decided to like improvise and then turn. And I was like, "No, they didn't." <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was the story of the whole match. <laughs> that was the story of the match. Um, I thought this actually had the best story, quote unquote, overall of all the matches. Um, I thought Leo Rush gave a good accounting of himself. Not enough to where, like, if I were seeing this as a first time viewer and I'd never seen Leo Rush, where I'd be like, "I definitely want him back." You know, uh, I think people who are familiar with his work are like, oh, my God, I want Leo Rush in New Japan, Mm -hmm. especially with the comments that he's made uh, recently talking about that always being a goal of his and he wants to be here, which I hope that ends up being the case. But um, I I wasn't like overly impressed with this match, but I still enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it told a good story. You know, the fact that one of them has been active, one of them hasn't. And he wasn't able to really beat Leo Rush without having to go to his bag of tricks because otherwise he, you know, he he just was, he was too rusty. Yeah, Leo. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Karen. I was going to say, well, also as the defending champion, he also has the most to lose in this entire situation, which is that ticket to Wrestle Kingdom. Right, and that would have been a huge upset for the, you know, reigning, you know, last year Super J Cup winner to go out on the first round. Well, I think, too, one reason I was so intrigued by this match is because there was that element. Like, they put the spotlight on Leo Rush. They did the, you know, they showcased the uh, video that he put out. They, You know, they there was a lot of tweets about the interview that he did, and I was like, huh. I mean, if you wanted to, like, really make him, you have him be ELP in the first round. And, like, if he is signed or sticking around, there's – there's your ticket that he's made night one. And I, I thought that this was the most intriguing of all the first round matches. And I thought whoever won this would probably win the tournament, uh, which turned out to be true. But I was kind of hoping Leo Rush might be ELP, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah, Leo went for the, the final hour frog splash. Um, Fantasma got the knees up, pushed Leo into the referee. 
while the ref was down, punch to the balls, roll up, <laughs> one, two, three. Just like last year, Super J Cup, ELP gets the win, knocks out Leo Rush. Uh, did have a couple questions here. First one, Rambo and Slam Pig says, Leo Rush has been very public regarding the desire to work for New Japan. What would be your dream matchup for him if he did come over for some tours? Hiromu. Yeah, I think Hiromu is definitely the easy answer. Uh, Yo, Robbie, and Uemura. I would also say Taiji Ishimori. Yeah, Ishimori from a speed perspective, because yeah. they're like two of the fastest wrestlers out there, aside from Darby Allen. Like those. I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid Ishimori's Cyber Tataki would, uh, or Cyber Tataki would probably shatter Leo Rush's like tiny, tiny frame. <laughs> <laughs> that, but that's like my uh, trifecta or trinity of like speed wrestlers out there. Like those are the three fastest guys probably in wrestling today. Um, so, I mean, I'd probably like to see that. Uh, next question from Viking Payne says, do you guys think Leo Rush has a future with New Japan? It seems like they went out of their way to protect him in his ELP match. And, well, the, the Empire does need a junior ace. Um, I mean, I definitely think with, with Leo being so open to wanting to work with New Japan and kind of being a, a top name that, U.S. fans recognize. I definitely think they could leverage him to kind of help with the the popularity in the Western fan base. And I think, you know, as things kind of get better as traveling, getting people over to Japan, uh, I think Leo is somebody that they could potentially bring in to best Super Juniors next year. I think it would be awesome if they brought him in. I think there's a lot of really great matchups for him. Uh, when I saw him wrestling ELP, the one thought I had is like he is a game changer in terms of the junior division. Um, you know, every now and again, you you bring that one guy in, whether it's a John Moxley or a Shingo Takagi, someone like that who like is fresh or Kenta has had no matches with anybody in the division, and just by injecting them, you're like, wow, this breathes a whole new life into the division. That's what I feel like they have with Leo Rush. Um, so I think it would be really great if he did come in. I'm not saying they need it necessarily, but uh, I think it would be great for all parties involved. I think, like when I talked about ACH and TJP, I think he needs to be working a bit more New Japan Strong style matches. I think he needs to be more familiar with it before going over. Um, I think he does have a future, but... When I when we were at New Beginning in Tampa, I I keep going back to that match that Jeff Cobb had with Alex Zane, and Alex was relatively new to the New Japan style, and it, at one point it looked like he was about to hurt Jeff Cobb. So for me, from a safety perspective, I want him to be more familiar with how New Japan does their match styles. Um, with knowing that he has a family, with like, I don't know if he'd be able to be away for long periods of time, but I mean that's a personal choice. Um, I think it would be interesting. I don't see him joining the Empire, though. I don't think that would be the move for him. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think if he came in, he'd kind of be up to that, you know, that that top kind of American gaijin that you bring in uh, for certain tours. I mean, I don't know where he'd fit in because they never really bring in black stars hardly at all. So we don't know where they would that, even plug them in. That's the other problem. Right. They, uh, <laughs> they have a very specific type that they like to import and strap a rocket to. Yeah. I feel like the last like 
black guy that they brought in that they really plugged into any group was like what Shelton Benjamin in Suzuki Goon. You know, I mean, you could say Ricochet, but Ricochet was like he was Hontai. And that it seems like they bring a lot of like uh yeah, you know, and ACH at, was Hontai also. He was Hontai too. So it's like And I feel like a lot of people would compare Leo to Ricochet. The guy especially if he were paired with uh, Taguchi in in Hontai. The one thing I And will, that's not fair to Leo. The one thing I will say though is I think he'd be totally fine day one if they brought him to Japan. Um I think there's a world of difference between Alex Zane and Leo Rush. Uh there's a world of difference. I think he's good to go right now. I mean, it could probably do him some good to work in the dojo with those guys, work out a few things, but I mean, doesn't really need much, honestly, at all. Yeah, and I think the, the junior style in New Japan is very similar to a style Leo is used to, so I definitely it is. So he, he can acclimate to that. Um, so next up, we then had a tag match, non-tournament action. Uh, Team Filthies, Danny Limelight, and J.R. Kratos defeated Mr. No Days Off, Fred Rosser, and our good friend, Rocky Romero. Yeah. Um, I mean, who knows how much longer Danny Limelight's even with the company <laughs> or how much longer this uh, Team Filthy is going to continue because Russ Taylor's gone already, but... Uh, you know, they're probably not going to acknowledge that until the next batch of tapings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought this match was fine. Uh, I thought it was a good little filler match. I didn't think anything, like, was outstanding. It was, it, you know, it was, it was fine. Yeah, it, it continued the story of Team Filthy versus uh, New Japan Strong, Hontai, I'll call them. <laughs> versus versus Rocky. Rocky Goon. Um, Rocky. <laughs> Rocky. Coming soon. <laughs> And it also continued the story between Dan Lima and Rocky Romero. Also, Dan kind of turned his back on Rocky to join Team Filthy. And they had that one-on-one match on Strong a few months ago. And now Danny pinned Rocky. So I'm sure we'll get another a singles matchup down the line with Danny and Rocky. Ooh, Rocky's going to beat him and send him packing. And then that's why he's, you know, on AEW now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Was he signed? No, he's, he's not signed. But he's, oh, okay. Because I was like, I don't keep up with with the news, so I was like, oh no, where's he going? He's not signed, but he's working over there a lot, and it's like okay. you know how they are. Like they, they, you work like a couple darks, and suddenly Danny Limelight is all elite. <laughs> yeah, actually, Danny Limelight is facing your trainer uh, this coming week on Dark. Matt uh, Seidel is he or did they already fight? Well, it's a it's already taped, but it'll be airing. Oh, okay. Actually, tonight, today is Tuesday. I forgot. We're this is not Monday. It's Tuesday. Tuesday. So it aired tonight. Yeah, it might have already fought. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. The only thing that kind of like disappoints me about having Team Filthy in New Japan Strong is that I feel like they're going to start creating more factions here and that New Japan Strong isn't going to have any crossover with New Japan as we know it in Japan. Like I feel like there's going to be it's going to be start evolving into its own separate brand. So there won't be that crossover where once travel opens up that, you know, somebody from a couple people from Suzuki Goon could drop by for a couple of tapings or a couple people from Chaos could drop by for a couple of tapings. Like, I feel like there's going to be it's going to it's going to might feel a little disjointed. If I that think, makes sense. I think it's a problem, but I also think it's an easy fix. Um, I mean, part of the problem right now is that they haven't been acknowledging anything on the show hardly at all, aside from like the one or two things that they want to import over, you know, like the briefcase or something like that. So, I mean, 
all they'd really have to do is just start acknowledging it. And I think maybe that could happen once the travel restrictions lift, you know, but, um, it could also just be this thing where like we last week, uh, I called, um, strong dragon ball GT. Like it just lives in its own microcosm. Yeah. Yeah. It's its own thing. Yeah, I think that's definitely been a problem with it. Uh, and we've mentioned that before too. Yeah, I would like I would like there to be more crossover. I like in on Japan in Japan shows like them to mention stuff that's happening in Strong, especially now that the guys are over there. Like talk about what Kenta and these guys have been doing in America and vice versa. Just make there more crossover instead of it kind of end up being its own thing. So uh, next up, we had. Uh, Second round action, we had ACH defeating Chris Bay, 8 minutes and 27 seconds. This is going to sound crazy. I don't remember this match. Like, Same. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. it. I, again, another match I was, look, <laughs> I was looking forward to, but again, they went out there only 8 minutes, kind of did their thing, hit, hit some of their, their spots, and it, it was a fine matchup. It was fine. I remember it being, I think I wrote down like three stars, but I don't really remember it. I just know ACH beat him. Uh, I don't remember him, like, selling the back. I know that would come into play in the yeah, main event. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, there was attack on the back. Um, I don't even remember that. But he did. I know he won with the uh, the Midnight Star. What's, what's he, his uh, his version of the 450. Mm, okay. After that, we had El Fantasmo defeating Blake Christian, 7 minutes and 24 seconds, to move on to the finals. Um I thought that this was probably, in my opinion, Phantasmo's best match of the tournament um, overall. Uh, I thought Blake Christian gave a really good accounting of himself, and I think he's the standout of the entire tournament. Definitely. And then we also we had the story here of Christian coming in with the broken nose, uh, being very weakened from the match with Ray Horace, uh, then Phantasmo kind of taking advantage of, uh, of that injury. I just spent the whole match worried about his nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, because, yeah, that, that looked like it was a pretty bad uh, break there. But I guess, you know, living the gimmick, he called himself all heart. He, you know, didn't want to give up and, you know, brought the fight. You know, as soon as the bell rang, you know, hit him with that missile drop kick, the shotgun drop kick to the corner and really tried to bring it to Phantasmo. But Phantasmo, once again, just kind of uh, outweaseled him and weaseled his way to another victory. And then that brings us to the, the semi-main. We had the Bullet Club of Hikaleo and Kenta defeating the debuting Kevin Knight and the returning Ren Narita. Um, believe it or not, I ended up finding this match to be maybe the most interesting match of the entire night. Um, I don't know if it was, from a match quality standpoint, as good Necessarily as a lot of the singles action we had, but I think when I look back on this card, like a year or two from now, this will probably be the match that I end up paying the most attention to because A, we haven't really seen Narita in a while since he left for excursion, but B, this is the first time we've ever seen Kevin Knight, and this told us a lot about the progression and the current standing of both of these guys, and the work that they did with Hikaleo and Kenta ended up being from a just general interest standpoint. Like the, it, it just ended up being the most interesting thing that happened all night for me. Yeah. I mean, long time listeners know we love Ren Narita. 
And I, I was very sad that we haven't seen a lot of him this year. So, yeah, it was great to see him back. Thought he looked really good. And then uh, new young lion. We got a, a black young lion. <laughs> Did you ever think you would see the day? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kevin Knight, who's uh, apparently been handpicked by Shibata to be in the L.A. dojo. And also he's replacing uh, Carl Fredericks, who suffered an injury and uh, couldn't make this matchup. And so when? When did he suffer the injury? Yeah. When did this earlier in the day when he had his match with Jay White taped? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like weeks ago? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so these people been false advertising him until the day of, like, yes. Get out of here. Uh, so, but yeah, I thought uh, Kevin Knight looked for the first time seeing him. Thought he looked really good. I'm um, looking forward to you know seeing his progression and seeing him integrated into the New Japan system. Bro, he was just like any other young lion. You know, you see him for the first time, you expect them to be green, and of course they are, but they're way less green than you'd expect them to be. It's just I don't understand the system how they're able to produce guys that are so competent so early. They just are, and uh, you know he's an athlete. Um, to steal a phrase, he has all the tools. Oh, but. <laughs> <laughs> But no, in all seriousness, uh, I thought he showed a lot of fire, and I thought he, I thought he came off very well in this match. Uh, I look forward to seeing him again. What's Kevin's background? Football, right? I didn't they say he was like football, track and field, or am I wrong? Uh, honestly, it's kind of commentary is kind of a blur from the show for me. I, I, one of the things I've noticed is that when Shibata selects his his young lions. He's not really taking somebody who's fresh out of college or fresh out of high school. They have some kind of background. Even Ren Narita, you know, went through the Nogi Dojo and then he begged Shibata to give him another chance and teach him from square one. And Fredericks and Clark, they also had indie experience before going into the dojo. So I'm I'm curious to know if there's a certain like kind of like how NXT has their PC where there's a tryout if there's a certain amount of athletic acumen or sports experience or even wrestling experience that's required to be selected for the, to become a young lion. Uh, I don't think he's actually te- teaching anyone from like zero, zero. I think he has Kev- Indian experience. Kev- he does. So he's, he's trained and he's worked before Kevin Knight was a track and field athlete in high school and played American football in college. Boom. I was right. <laughs> Which I didn't want, you know, like, I, I said those because I, I've got pretty good memory, just intuitively, but I threw those out there. I was like, I don't want to have just assumed a couple sports and just throw them out <laughs> there. I better fact check this. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's the other thing is that they announced him, but didn't introduce him. Like, I want to know more. Of, ah. Well, he's a lion. All you need to know is he wears black trunks and has black uh, shoes. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, that's what I was always curious about is that I want, when they announced him, I wanted to know more about him, but there's like no profile. There's no introduction to him. There's no, Hey, here's five quick facts about our new young lion. Just, Oh, by the way, he's replacing somebody's injured for me. Tell me a, more for me. He's a lion. We don't need to know nothing else. You, you're a lion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we yeah we really no, normally don't get a lot of background on those guys, so I wasn't expecting too much uh, info on him. But yeah, hopefully in the future we will get some uh, more info on him. Um, then we have a question here from Don Homie One Hundred One. Thoughts on Hikaleo? What does the future for him and what's his ceiling? Also, thoughts on Kevin Knight. So we talked about Kevin Knight uh, 
thoughts on Hikaleo and his future? Uh, I think Hikaleo is improved, but, you know, recently most of the work's been done on Strong. Like we mentioned, they're taping a lot at one time. I'd like to see him in Japan. That's going to be the, the next litmus test that really tells me what's next for him. As far as uh, the future, I really don't know. I, I guess probably just playing a heavy for his brothers or for the Bullet Club, honestly. Um, as far as the ceiling, I, I don't know. Like, probably being the enforcer of the Bullet Club for the time being or whatever the Tongans end, end up doing. Yeah, I mean, he, he could potentially grow into a, a bad luck folly role. Uh, where he's kind of a, a big bruiser and he's like the, you know, he, he can get like an IWGP title match or he can knock knock an Okada out in the New Japan Cup, um, but not really be pushed quite to the top level. And, and Cameron, what are your thoughts on Hikaleo or, you know, what do you see the future for him, you know, his ceiling? I feel like I need to go back and watch what he did in Rev Pro because I know that for a while he was you know, that's where he, his excursion was before the lockdown happened. And he was with ELP working over there. I often feel like when he does the strong shows, he's eclipsed by everybody else in bullet club. So I would need to see him do more wrestling on his own. I don't think he has the option to go to anywhere, but bullet club at some point, but I just feel like he needs something to make him stand out or he's just going to blur. He's just going to blend into the background. Right, he's just going to be God's little brother. Yeah, and I don't think that's fair to him just to be stuck in his brother's shadows. I think because he's going to be aligned with them, though, um, I don't think he has to be stuck in their shadow. But I think he's still going to be like a heavy or an enforcer type, um, similar to Badluck Fale. You know, no one thinks Fale is in the shadow of the other Tongans, but like at the same time, he's like very intrinsically like linked to them. So I could see him being like the next underboss or something like that. Yeah. The, the underboss of the underboss. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So the final match of the evening, the Super J Cup 2020 final match, we had El Fantasmo defeating ACH 16 minutes and 11 seconds. Uh, I thought this was... Um, a good final match. Obviously, a lot of the story of this match was built around ACH's uh, injured back. Uh, prior to the match starting, Phantasmo attacked ACH, hit, used a trophy to bash it over his back. Um, I believe he also like hit him into the announce table. And so, obviously, he was trying to you know get the forfeit win, but ACH decided to continue. And also, that was the story of the whole match, kind of working through the back. ACH had to fight through the back pain. Uh, to get through uh, El Fantasmo, but ultimately failed to uh, conquer ELP. One thing was, before this match started, and I guess it's all heat-based, but it's like, they start before they started this match, they are like, this is the history of the New Japan, or of the Super J Cup. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, they're finally actually, like, doing some graphics and yada yada, adding some prestige to this thing. So that's pretty cool. And then as soon as it ends and ACH is coming out, you know, El Fantasmo is attacking him. And I, I get it. It's intended to, like, build heat. But I was just like, eh, I don't know. It's a lot of a lot of heat on this show for this yeah, guy. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, like, almost too much. But then, like, you know, he breaks trophy. 
Uh, the trophy didn't look like any special trophy. It reminded me of like the trophies my brother used to compete for when he was like in Taekwondo, <laughs> yeah. um, which but was was fine. It's a Cobra Kai trophy. Yeah, it's like a Cobra Kai. You know, uh, Danny uh, Larusso. <laughs> Larusso like definitely won that in like '87, but um, the, the match was fine. I, I again, I expected more from Phantasmo and ACH. They just they were telling a body part story match. I thought. Believe it or not, we've been complaining about how short the matches were, but at 60 minutes, it felt kind of long in the tooth for me. And um, ELP won, and uh, I, I don't know. I was, just, I was a little underwhelmed. Uh, and it wasn't even really like, oh, you know, I don't like him. It was just like, eh, it's, it's fine. It, it, very little that was super about this Super J Cup for me. What do you think, Karen? With the talent in the ring and the match going as long as it did... I felt like they could have done so much more with it. Because mm-hmm. I just I go back to the final last year where it was him and Dragon Lee, and by the end of it, he he had dove over the railing, split his head open, was bleeding <laughs> everywhere. Like it just, I guess you know for safety precautions, he couldn't try to top what he did the previous year. But at the same time, knowing how talented, especially someone like ACH is, and them not going all out, especially within hours of Hiromu versus Desperado. It's just like, I just felt like there was such an imbalance in the two finals. Yeah, and I think part of the problem here was definitely all the lack of the crowd with the story they were telling. They were telling the story of ELP being this dastardly heel and getting heat on ACH and working over the injured back. I feel like a crowd would have been really into that and would have been willing on ACH and trying to get behind ACH and really want ACH to win. And with the, the few near falls that ACH had towards the closing stretch, I think you know you would have gotten a lot of gas from crowds because they, they would have wanted to see ACH beat this dastardly heel ELP who's been cheating the whole tournament, similar to last year's tournament where you, you wanted to see Dragon Lee you know, get the win and at the end there. And so with the lack of crowd, I think that really hurts the story of this match. Yeah, I mean, my biggest problem here is he, th- this man hurt himself, split his head open last year, and uh, Karen just wants more blood. I mean, she's a sadist out here. <laughs> hey, uh, Bl- Blake, Cri- more blood. Blake, Blake Christian gave you the blood for this show. <laughs> Poor boy. <laughs> now, here's one thing I don't understand. So they said this show was live, but it wasn't live. It was shot weeks ago. But then ELP came out and called out, Hiromu Takahashi. He, he did not call he didn't name him. He, he said, Mr. Best of the Super Junior winner, I'm coming for you. He did not once say the, the words Hiromu Takahashi. He just said, I'm challenging the Best of the Super Junior winner. He never said Hiromu? He, he, he never said Hiromu. Neither of them ever said the other person's name. Right. Okay, because for some reason, I could have sworn I thought I heard him say Hiromu, and I was like, oh, shit, you know? Nope, he's like, Mr. Best of the Super Junior, I'm calling you out. Are I you wanna... sure he didn't say Hiromu Takahashi before I'm that? Sure you're listening because you heard Wrestling Observer. Alvarez said he no, said No, no, Hiromu. no, no, I thought that when I watched it already. No, he said, Mr. Best of the Super Junior, I'm calling you out. He's like, I want Wrestle Kingdom Super J Cup winner versus Best of Super Junior winner. I'll see you there. He never said Hiromu's name. Okay. He was tempted to say it. <laughs> he looked like he wanted to say it, but yeah. no. They, well, both of them made a point not to say the other person's name. Well, that's good. I mean, at least that part is good. It did kind of ruin my bit a little bit, but that's good. 
we had two questions here uh, from Dom Homie 101. He said, first, if Liger ever decided to come out of retirement for one match, would it make sense for his opponent to be ELP, with the story being Liger wanting to humble ELP? No. He should never come out of retirement. There's no scenario that makes sense. Seconded. I don't need Liger to become the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, as much as I love Liger and would love to see another Liger match, I think he needs to stay retired as well. I bet you if he did it, I'd mark, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's having too much fun on commentary and working with the girls at Stardom. If he comes out of retirement, he's fighting Julia in Stardom. He's not He's not, He's not. not fighting anybody. I, in New I, I don't know if he's fighting Julia. I think he's going to try and join Don Del Mondo. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I mean, I want to join Donna Del Mondo, but okay. Because, you know, all the boys love, 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 love Julia, and so does Liger. God bless her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he also asked, do you guys think that maybe Clark Connors could pull off a Wild Pegasus-type gimmick since he has some major similar with the original Wild Pegasus? Well, Wild Pegasus wasn't really a gimmick. It was just a name. Um, so could he pull off a gimmick where he just is a hard-nosed, grizzled, you know, Outsider a la Dynamite Kid, sure. I mean, that's kind of already what he's doing. I mean, I don't know what the plans for are, are for him going forward, but, uh, yeah, he could definitely do that. Yeah, I mean, on this show, I've definitely compared him a lot to uh, to Benoit, and so I don't know if you, you would want to give him a, the Wild Pegasus. I don't game. think so. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Correct. But, but, but he reminds me so much of Benoit. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, that is pretty much going to do it for our review of Super J Cup, unless you guys have any closing thoughts. No, overall, um, not not the, the greatest tournament. There there was some fine wrestling, um, but yeah, definitely was hoping for a little bit more. So before we move on, we've got you know the news. We've got uh, you know the road to Tokyo Dome shows coming up. How do you want to do this, Jeremy? Because I don't want to have too long of a marathon episode. We're already like 2.40 in right now. Yeah, so I think for Road to Tokyo Dome, let's just run through these cards. Um, and then I think we could just kind of jump to the news and talk about uh, the Wrestle Kingdom matches real quick. You're going to run through the cards, I guess, when you're done. If we have any like overarching thoughts, maybe we could throw them in there. Yeah. So, uh, Monday, December 21st, 4.30 a.m. on New Japan World, uh, we'll have Tiger Mask, Togi Makabe, and Satoshi Kojima versus Yota Tsuji, Yu and Gabriel Kidd, Juice Robinson and Tor Hinari versus Kenta and Yujiro Takahashi, uh, Hiroshi Tenzan versus Kedaguchi, Master Wato versus Minoru Suzuki, El Sparado, and Yoshinobu Kanamaru, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., and Doki versus G.O.D. and Chase Owens, Okada, Tanahashi, and Hanma, Versus the Empire and Naito Sonata and Bushi versus Jay White, Evil, and Dick Togo. On Tuesday, December 22nd, we'll have Toriano and Hanma versus uh, Fale and Owens. Tenzan, Taguchi, Wato versus Suzuki, Desperado, and Kanamaru. Dangerous Techers and Doki versus G.O.D. and Yujiro Takahashi. Naito Sonata and Hiromu versus Evil, Dick Togo, and Taiji Ishimori. Shingo and Bushi versus Great Okan and Cobb. And the main event that night will be Ibushi, Juice, and Show versus Jay White, Kenta, and Gato. And then on Wednesday, December 23rd, we'll have Tiger Mask returning the action here, teaming up with Taguchi and Wato versus Suji, Yumura, and Kid. Then we'll have Shingo, Sonata, and Hiromu versus Evil, Dick Togo, and Taiji Shimori. 
We will have the KOPW 2020 match for it's the, the body slam match, and this should determine the uh, the KO the, the actual KOPW champion for 2020, Toriano versus Bad Luck Fale. Then we'll have Jay White and Kenta versus Juice Robinson and Toa Hanare. Semi main event: Okada, Tanahashi, and Hanma versus the Empire. And then the main event will be Naito and Bushi versus Kota, Abushi, and Show. Uh, we did have a question here from Why Do You Do That Bro? He says, Evil and Jay are teaming for the first time at Road to Tokyo Dome. Do you think there might be a small angle based on the tension between them? I do think that there could be a tease of dissension. I don't think there's going to be an angle necessarily because they both got, you know, um, dates at the Tokyo Dome and, you know, opponents that they need to focus on. But um, all bets are off once uh, January 5th comes and goes. Yeah, yeah, there might be some seeds, but I don't think it's going to be a huge angle. My question is, who eats the pin in that match? Because every single one of those people have a Tokyo Dome match. Dick Togo? Oh, sorry. Am I looking at the wrong one? I am looking at the wrong one. <laughs> yes. Sorry, I was looking at the 23rd where it was, it was Shingo, Sonata, and Hiromu versus Evil, Dick Togo, and Taiji Ishimori. My apologies. No worries. Wrong line. Yeah, that December 21st main event. Yeah. Um, oh, that's the main event? Yeah. See, you put this on reverse. I was like, man, Naito's opening a lot on these. Uh... Well, that's why, that's why I read them in reverse order. Ah, okay. See, but oh, I w- Never mind. It's, it's bushy. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I'd like to point out, Tiger Mask is back. Yes. Yay! My dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did notice... Um, Juice Robinson and Hanare against Kenta and Yujiro, and that might lend a lot of. Uh, well, yeah, Juice is against Kenta all three nights in multi man, so. So, so your, uh, you know, assumption that there might be a match between the two of them, that might be one other singles match that they probably are setting up for the dome. Um, maybe not for the dome, but I would get, I would bet it probably is going to be on that show. Yeah, one of them. I uh, also had a question here from our user, Germanis. He says, Yano versus Bad Luck Fale for the KOPW 2020 title on a Road 2 show before intermission. Not the provisional title. This will be the 2020 title. Question, how buried is the KOPW title? So buried they want us to forget about it once this is said and done. <laughs> I feel like it started out as Okada's project, and then it quickly became fodder for Yano's YouTube channel. Yeah. They're like... All right, well, that was really nice, uh, Okada. Uh, why don't you go over here and uh, do this and uh, let us handle this for the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take good care of this for you. Uh, another gimmick match that's really just a derivative of a normal match. Oh, and how many great body slam matches have there ever been in history? So many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Yano's going to throw his back out. <laughs> What's the over-under that this is better than Andre and Big John Stud from WrestleMania one. I don't think it'll be better. <laughs> <laughs> I do. We'll see. I'll take that bet. Um, and real quick, um, last Friday's strong. We had Clark Harms DKC defeating the Regal Twins, the Bullet Club team of Chase Hikaleo and Tangaloa defeating Finley Juice and Mysterioso Jr. Tango Tango defeating ACH. In the main event was Jay White defeating Carl Fredericks. This coming Friday, Kenta will defend the briefcase against Brody King. We'll have PJ Black and Fred Rosser versus Tom Waller and J.R. Kratos. Jeff Cobb versus Russ Taylor. And Rocky Romero versus Daniel Limelight. 
Man, the Empire versus uh, Team Filthy, that feud just continues. <laughs> it's great. Uh, so then moving on to the Wrestle Kingdom matches that were announced this coming weekend. So we already knew about Tetsuya Naito versus Kota Ibushi on January 4th for the double titles. We knew about Okada versus Will Ospreay. Newly announced, we got uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus the Great Okan. We will have the Dangerous Techers defending against Girls of Destiny. And then we will have the best Super Junior winner, Homo Takahashi, uh, facing off against the Super J-Cup winner, El Phantasmo. Then that takes us to January 5th. We'll have the winner of Hiromu and El Phantasmo facing off Taiji Ishimori for the LWGB Junior title. We'll have Shingo Takagi defending the Never title against Jeff Cobb. We'll have the big showdown between former partners in Sonata versus Evil. And then, of course, we'll have the... Winner of Naito Onibushi facing Jay White for the double titles. Um, a bunch of questions but Before here. we get into those questions, Jeremy, please acknowledge the fact that I called this booking decision for the J-Cup and the Super Junior Champions to fight each other way early on. You did. Ahead. Nostradamus <laughs> up in this motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so let's run through these questions real quick So first from Rambo and Slam Pig says, I'm excited for Great Okan versus Tanahashi According to some of my fellow wrestlers On the internet that is wrong What is your take on Tanahashi's role What what this pretends for Great Okan's future trajectory And whether we should expect something special Or just a mid-card filler I'll start uh, It's definitely not going to be mid-card Because it's like third from the top So that's a pretty big deal um, this is a lot of people are comparing this to when Jay White fought uh, Tanahashi in his return from excursion. I think it's very similar to that. Um, one thing that some people might be missing out on. I mean, when Oka was a young lion, he was Tanahashi's personal young boy. So that is, uh, you know, definitely something that's playing into into this whole thing here. But um, I mean, already in the short period of time that. Uh, Great Okan has been, you know, been back. He's made serious connection with the crowd. His uh, merchandise is selling. People are wearing the freaking question mark, you know, uh, double towel. And, yeah, there were some things we criticized about the gimmick and about some of the work early on. But they started fixing it almost day one as soon as the World Tag League started. And we're at a point now where like, I kind of believe in, in great Okan. And I think there's even a good chance he might even beat Tanahashi in the dome. If, uh, especially if like Tanahashi's 2020 trend of putting other people over, like tells us anything. So, um, I am excited for the match. I can understand why some people might not be excited for the match, especially if they're listening to the narrative that Okan is a charisma black hole. He doesn't have it, you know, but, I'll tell you what, the, the company's going with him. So, like, whether you like it or not, you better strap in because they don't kind of put the promotional, like, strength and machine behind a guy like this if they don't believe in him. And they've believed in, in Oka since day one. He's been Sugabayashi's, one of his pet projects since they signed the guy. It was a major deal. It's been a major deal the whole, like, we've been waiting for him to come back, and now he's back, and he looks awesome. And uh, I don't know if the match is going to be good or bad, because we don't, we haven't seen enough of him to really assess whether he's ready to go at that level or not. But regardless, even if it flounders, which I don't think it will, but even if it does, he's getting the Jay White treatment, and that's that's the, that's long and short of it. Like this is exciting because you're watching a, a 
a guy that they're going to push as a top star for years to come, you're getting to see the genesis of it, and you can say, I was there day one, because that is what's happening here. Make no mistakes about it. What do you think, Karen? Well, I touched about on this earlier, is that Tanahashi's at the age where he has to start focusing on the future of the company. And part of that, unfortunately, as one of the gatekeepers of the company, is that he needs to start putting over talent that's junior to him. Um, I'm still, like, I, I might guess I might be late to the Oka party. I don't know. Um, but I don't think their match is going to be a bad one. My only concern is that after, you know, the Empire throttled Tanahashi after their match, he did go for an MRI on his knee, um, but because he mentions it on his blog and on his podcast. But from what I gather, it's clear. But, you know, the man's knees are being held together with love and energy. So I'm worried about <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's probably, you know, him doing a little bit of work, too. He wants people to be worried about his knees, and I'm sure that's going to be the main target for Ocon that night is going after the legs and the knees, and Tanahashi's uh, incredible at selling and selling his legs and fighting through that pain, so that should help with, with that match. And, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, a very good match. Maybe it might not it, it might not be blow away, but I think at the, at the very least it'll be very good, and it will help establish Ocon. Like you mentioned, Josh, we saw with Jay White. Jay did not have the best match with Tanahashi that night. Uh, and look where Jay is now. And so I think this is going to be good for Ocon. I think Ocon is a star. I think he has charisma. And I th- I think he's a very interesting player right now. And like you mentioned, Kerry, I do think Tanahashi is going to move into this role of where he is putting over younger talent, especially guys like Ocon that he sees a lot of future in. Yeah, I mean, if you want to be one of the guys that, like, for instance, or girls or whoever, if you don't like him, that's that's your prerogative. But I'm telling you, they're going to push him for years to come. That's just what's happening. And so because that's happening, and the company clearly has confidence in him to be able to do that, A, I think that everybody that, that has faith in him right now is probably going to be rewarded for it because he, he – He's a special talent. We've seen that since his young lion days. But um, I think a lot of the people who right now are buying into this idea that, like, he's no, he's not good and the company is making a mistake and what do they see in him, those people are going to look really foolish. So, I mean, we're kind of giving you an insider scoop right now that, like, if you don't know, you probably want to buy some stock in Oka. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next question from Stale Burger Bun. He says, do you think that great Ocon can get a good match out of Tanahashi? That's a stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Get a good match out of Tanahashi? I'm pretty sure he's ribbing us here. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he, they know how I feel about Tanahashi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question from Viking Payne. He says, was Oka, was Oka Tanahashi's young boy before Suji? A friend told me he was, but I don't recall that. Maybe I'm just confusing him with Suji because they're both big boys. If he was, though, that they could use this history to build up the Wrestle Kingdom 15 match. I, I don't think they're using it too much. I think it exists. They might allude to it. It's like one of those things with New Japan, and a lot of their feuds and storylines are like this. You don't need to know it, similar to like Desperado and Hiromo. You don't need to know it to buy into what's happening right now. But if you know it, it adds you know a little bit more like a wrinkle to things and it, it's there. It's under the surface. Yeah. 
next one, I'm ready to use your Asai Yojimbo says, what junior title match outcome has more mileage, Hiromu, Ishimori, or ELP? I mean, I'll take Hiromu, Ishimori any day. I mean, I, I'm, I'm more excited for the first time meeting between ELP and Hiromu, but I do not have faith in ELP as a performer at all in the way I do in, in Ishimori. Plus, Ishimori and Hiromu's uh, a proven commodity. We know that that match is great no matter what. I don't know what Hiromu and ELP looks like. It might be really good, but I bet you five times out of, like, if, if they wrestled five times, I bet you, like, a couple of those are stinkers. Yeah, I, I just I think Hiromu Ishimori makes more most makes the most sense. I think Hiromu winning the junior title makes the most sense as well. Uh, well, I think this was the question I sent to you guys a couple of weeks ago when you were recording. Was that for me, the best of the Super Junior winner fights three times the number of people that the Super J Cup winner does. Mm. So personally, I feel like there's an unfair advantage for ELP going into the match based on the number of matches and the number of mat- the amount of match time he's wrestled in this Super J Cup versus what Hiromu and everybody else wrestled during the best of the Super Juniors. Uh, I am curious to see how him versus Hiromu works out. I don't have faith at this point, after knowing that Bullet Club's won most of the tournaments this year, that they wouldn't try to do Ishimori versus ELP to have that be one of the multiple catalysts that launches bullet club into disarray. Um, but I feel like since Naito got the MVP award from Tokyo sports, he said he made it a point to say that he still hasn't had his match from the anniversary show with Hiromu, meaning Naito might be actually trying to hold on to those belts until the anniversary show. So he can wrestle Hiromu. Don't know if it'll happen. Don't think it'll happen. But, again, I feel like a lot of the fans, especially in Japan, if they're not going to get Naito versus Hiromu at some point, they're going to be very upset about it. Definitely. I guess I misunderstood the question. When he said, which has more mileage, he was talking about which... Which guy winning, leaving leaving with the junior title. Oh, well, I mean, for me, it's pretty simple. I think Hiromu, it's Wrestle Kingdom. It's a major title. You want to send the fans home happy. It's Hiromu's... Why would you have Hiromu win the Super Juniors if he doesn't go back to back both nights? I, I think it's, I think he is winning both matches. I think it's an easy booking decision. I, I think the frustrating thing with me for that was that Hiromu came back this time last year, got a pin, got the title at at, at I almost said at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and so he he like he's already had it. Right. And him and Nishimori have kind of been WWE like flip flopping the belt back and forth all year. Right. I kind of want somebody else to have a chance with the belt, but I don't want it to be another heel. Right. right. I, I that's agree. my problem with it. I agree with that, but then there's this other part of me that's like, do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, Hiromu really hasn't gotten that strong title run yet. You know, he, we had, we had COVID that ruined uh, his title run. Um, and then he pretty much immediately dropped it to, to Taiji when we came back. So I think, yeah, winning the title back, See him get the run that he should get and run with the title, have some great matches with the challengers, um, and then eventually lead to a big match that will build somebody else up. Since since I didn't understand the question, I do think that there will be a catalyst to a rift in the Bullet Club between ELP and Ishimori, but I think that will play out in the first night when ELP loses. I think that there will be 
some sort of shenanigans of some sort. Expectation that uh, Ishimori comes out and helps him. I don't yeah. even know if it's him, but it might be. I think or, something will happen. I don't want to say what it is because I don't know what specifically, but ultimately it won't work out and Hiromu will still win. And then at that point, ELP will be, you know, yeah. upset. Or maybe it'll happen in reverse. Maybe ELP will come out the next night, try to help Ishimori. And cost him the title. And cost him or something like that. These are all possibilities. Something like that. Uh, next question from our user PSA91. What do you think is planned for Suzuki at Wrestle Kingdom? As of right now, I don't really see what they are going to set up based on what they have on the Royal Tokyo Dome cards. I mean, I think never six the, man yeah, gauntlet. Those, that never six man gauntlet sounds pretty strong right now. Oh, you know what? <laughs> the rumble. Maybe they do a rumble. If they do a rumble, I'm, I, I got Suzuki all day. <laughs> what do you think, Karen? Oh God, it's. Part of me wants wants Suzuki just to walk in dragging John Moxley by the ankle behind him, but <laughs> I I don't know. Like I don't want to see him just go show up for a match and uh, you know be somebody's second. But this is what happened at the Dome last year: was that Moxley had his match with Archer, and then afterwards Suzuki's music hit because everyone was mad that he wasn't on the card and he just showed up, and started stripping as he's walking down to the ring. But it's kind of. I really wish Suzuki was on the card, but I don't know who you'd pair him with at this point. Like, he doesn't have a story in place. He hasn't had a story in place. He hasn't been around. Right. They, they wrapped up the Shingo story, you know, right before all this, you know, World Tag League and Best Super Juniors. So, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be the Never Six Man Gauntlet. He's probably going to team, I'm guessing, I guess, team with Despi and Kanamaru or. Despi and Doki. Unless they throw together some juniors match from the undercard, yeah. which well, I doubt. But I mean, I think based off of what I'm seeing on the road to Tokyo Dome, it's very clear we're getting a Tenzan versus Suzuki uh, Legends match uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. So mm. they're setting that up. Interesting. <laughs> and it's going to be a banger, too. Uh, It'll be 45-minute banger. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next question from Reddit user MMFDT20. Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 has a serious lack of star power. Okada and Tanahashi don't have anything booked, and there's nothing inked in for Naito, Obushi, or Hiromu. Does New Japan have anything left in the reserve that can move the dial, or is this another COVID write-off? I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. Uh, they don't have any, any, like, there's a lack of star power in Night 2. Well, like, Number one, I'm assuming, we don't know the full card, but I'm assuming that a lot of the those stars he mentioned will play some role on the second night. Um, I do understand, you know, the aspect that, like, they haven't announced anything for them. But, uh, I mean, what, what were the matches from night two again? I'm trying to look and see. So night two is the winner of Naito Ibushi versus Jay, Sonata Evil, Shingo Cobb, and the winner of Hiromu ELP versus Taiji. Uh, yeah, Hiromu's a big star, Shingo's a big star, Cobb's on the rise. Uh, Sonata and Evil are both wildly popular, despite what people feel about them in the States. And Jay White is a huge star, uh, despite what people think over here. You know, uh, he just is. And I don't see how, how they lack star power. I mean, they're. I do think overall, and maybe I'm 
jumping ahead to our preview show, but like I do think that there is a lack of that marquee matchup that you like to see at a Wrestle Kingdom. And part of it is like maybe they maybe because they are splitting one show into two. Maybe it's because of the booking of COVID. We haven't been able to have that one coveted protected match that that, you know, we're, we're essentially getting main events that we've seen in the recent past, but lack of star power, it's like uh, they're having all their stars on the shows. I don't I don't see it. Right. I think there's, there's probably some there's definitely some uncertainty with results and how it's gonna play in the night too, but like you mentioned those guys are probably going to be featured somehow the next night. Like Naito or Bushi, I have a hard time seeing them just being completely left off night two if one of them loses, whoever loses from night one. I, I assume they're going to sell out all 20,000 tickets both nights, my opinion. Yeah. I think the hard part is that they've kind of painted themselves into a corner with not having yet split the belts. Yeah. If, if, if the heavyweight belt and the icy belt were split – then you could have more match announcements because there's more belts to fight for. But right now you have two belts tied up with three people. Right. And it's 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 almost a rehash of what happened this year where we had two belts tied up with four people, meaning a lot of people either were left out on left out of their own singles matches or they were given a special match or they were in a multi-man match. Um I think after last or this past year where we you know we also had Liger's final matches, we don't have any anyone of that caliber who's terminating their career and with travel restrictions you can't necessarily bring someone like moxley or bring someone like jericho over because depending on what other work commitments they have or what you know visa status they have because those are also factors that play into situations like this um i think it's unfair to say that night two's a wash because having been through Wrestle uh, two nights of Wrestle Kingdom versus an eight-hour WrestleMania, I will gladly take two nights where I feel like I, I have the energy to enjoy them for four hours in a block than a marathon where I'm miserable by the end of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. The, I mean, the difficult thing is that they've, they've locked in this Iten Yon Iten Go, which is the fir- January 4th, January 5th. And it falls on a Monday, Tuesday this year, just like it did this past year. So restrictions aside, they could probably, you know, they will sell it out because people want to go. But I don't think it lacks star power. It's just that they can't announce everything until the road the road to Tokyo Dome is over. Finishes. Right. And we won't know that until next week. Yeah. We, we have to wait for our Christmas present, which is <laughs> the 23rd. Oh, I can't wait for the snow to fall. Yes, in Cork and Hall. And it's going to fall on Show and Ibushi, and it's going to be wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next question from just a little bear zero one. Prepping up for Wrestle Kingdom, staying up live. Do you two do anything special for your menu for Wrestle Kingdom? I don't stay up and watch. You know what? I don't stay up and watch any New Japan show live. I watch all of it on tape delay. So uh, for me, the one time I stayed up and watched uh, Wrestle Kingdom live a whole pot of coffee and I think like a Red Bull. That was like my prep menu. Um, I don't really have a spec like a special like thing well, that I eat or anything. I know in the, in the past, you know, me, you, and Rich, we, pizza. We, we, yeah, we order some pizza uh, and get together and watch Wrestle Kingdom. But yeah, last year was actually the first time that I watched. I watched Night Two live, 
Um, and yeah, just was pounding Red Bulls. <laughs> this time I'm gonna do uppers. <laughs> what about you, Karen? No, nobody laughed at my joke about drug use. Um, <laughs> on special events such as this, I like to hit the kitchen and make my New Japan cakes. So what? I make pancakes. <gasps> New oh. Japan pancakes. New Japan cakes. Oh, are nice. they are they just regular pancakes or are they like the souffle cakes? I'm working actually. I'm working on souffle cakes and oh. I actually can make them. Oh my gosh! So it'll. I, I don't know if I'm going to do a fruit compote this time around or if it's going to be Nutella and banana. Got to feel figure out what I'm feeling around the New Year. See what my 2021 has in store. I saw something online where you can like cheat and make souffle cakes in like a Instapot. So I'm thinking I might. I've, I I tried making them in my rice cooker. Oh, they and that too. come out yeah, it they don't come out souffle, I can guarantee you that. They <laughs> come out more more dense, kind of not necessarily a brownie, but it's a very a very singular beefy pancake. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> but it, it hits your stomach like a rock, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, next question from Dom Homie 101. With several new matches being announced for Wrestle Kingdom 15, which of these matches are your sleeper match to be a banger? My pick is Tanahashi versus Great Khan. Yeah, I think Dom Homie 101 is a very smart man. Yeah, that's that would be my pick too. Sonata Evil. Oh. I'm ready for it to go off the rails. <laughs> you know what? I would love for Sonata Evil to be like really great because that would be a sign to me that 2021 might be great. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next question from Muzzle. He says, what do you see being done in the pre-shows of both nights, and could we see the return of my favorite match, the New Japan Rumble? I don't know what's going to be on the pre-show, but, I mean, I've always loved the New Japan Rumble. I don't know if it's necessary, though, because it's always been a way to get people shoehorned onto the show, and now there's two nights, and they got a lot of you know, a lot of slots to fill. Uh, plus, they're probably going to do the six-man gauntlet again. So I I don't really know. I mean, do they even need a pre-show? Um, I don't think they need a pre-show, but they still might do one. And also, with the, with the Rumble, you know, normally they try to, like, bring in people. It's, it's going to be hard to, to bring, like, special guests or one-time appearances for that Rumble. Yeah. I mean, I saw, again, I hate to bring it up, but I did see, in all seriousness, I saw a lot of people – Clamoring for Stardom to be there again, and I was like, I mean, you know, they can't air the match, <laughs> right? So it's like, I, not that I'm against it at all. I'd be for it, but it's like I kind of want to see it if it's going to happen, and they can't even air it, so it doesn't really help that much if I can't see the match. That was the most frustrating thing about seeing that match because the match was really, really good. But even on an arena seat, it's like you're trying to watch it and like they're, everything's really tight. So I was like, oh, I'll go home. I'll put on Stardom World. Dang. I'll rewatch it. And then someone's like, oh, yeah, by the way, their TV deal is different. So it won't get put on Stardom World. It won't ever be put on YouTube. It won't ever be shown anywhere else, which kind of defeats the purpose. Because one of the primary goals, apparently, of Stardom is to start appealing to a larger audience. Right. But a lar- the the largest audience isn't inside the Tokyo Dome. It's everybody watching around the world. Right. So I don't know how they would get around that. Well, the one thing I will say is the majority of fans that I saw clamoring for this, I can assure you, don't watch Stardom. And the way I know is because it was all on Twitter, and I'd go and I'd check their name, and then I'd search Stardom next to it. They'd have no other tweets except for the one narrative tweet that they want to see Stardom at, at the Tokyo Dome. But you look... I- 
You look up their name in Mayu Iwatani, nothing. You look up their name in like Julia, nothing. You look up their name in like Jungle like, Kiona. Jungle Kiona. They, they don't watch this shit. Like they just want to start a narrative again. You know, it's like well, it, it's the whole thing. I don't want New Japan to be WWE in Japan. Right. Yeah. The Joshi take their craft and they take pride in their craft, and they shouldn't have to be shoehorned onto a New Japan show to sell. Would it be nice? Yeah, if people can watch the match, sure, but it's not it's not a requirement that they work together, that they be on the same show together. Just because somebody their significant other works for one company doesn't mean that it's a guaranteed thing or a necessary thing. Right. So uh we just have a quick little uh news items here to go over real quick and then we'll get to the recommended match of the week. Um, so New Japan, they announced that the anniversary show uh, was going to be held at Budokan Hall in 2021 instead of the normal Ota War Gymnasium. They're trying to make up that lost revenue from 2020. Yep. <laughs> uh, be a great place to do Naito Hiromu. Um, Would it? Because that means uh, Bushi can't probably got to lose. Right. I'm just saying. Why do you <laughs> sound surprised by that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tokyo Sports Awards uh, were announced this week. Uh, MVP award went to Naito. Okada versus Naito took the match of the year. And then Hiromu Takahashi, from returning from his major neck injury, took the Fighting Spirit Award. Uh, then the note here from Wrestling Observer Radio, uh, there was a note on the future of Chris Jericho. Apparently, former NJPW president and CEO Harold May reportedly held off on getting Jericho back due to the costs of bringing in uh, the AEW star uh, with May leaving the company last month and being replaced by Takami Obari. Jericho doesn't currently have a contract with New Japan, but there's now renewed interest within the company to bring Jericho back for a match. Uh, and last news item here, uh, it was announced that Fred Rosser did sign with New Japan in August, so he's not just a, a, ra- a random freelancer. Um, so we're going to uh, skip some of these random questions and put them to next week so we can get to the recommended match of the week. I'm looking at our awards from last year. Hiromu returning from injury did not win our Fighting Spirit Award. What, what won our Fighting Spirit Award last year? Oh, you'll, you'll be mad if I tell you. <laughs> what was it? Osprey competing in the New Japan Cup, Best Super Juniors, J-Cup, G1, and Super Junior. Mm, yes, right. It's like, that's cool, but Hiromu returned from injury. Yeah. A, a career and possibly life-threatening injury. <laughs> well, well, based it's, off what it's funny, based off some of the voting for this year, I think we're going to be seeing something kind of similar with the Fighting Spirit this year. Uh, I'm pissed about Fighting Spirit this year. <laughs> Just uh, write me in. I have the best Fighting Spirit. <laughs> uh, so, recommended match of the week last week. Josh's uh, pick was uh, Tenryu versus Hashimoto um, from August. Was that ninety-eight? August 1st, 1998, G1. Yes. Um, you know, I hate to give a rush review here, but I know we're, we're running late, but awesome matchup. Ton of strikes. Uh, crowd was super hot. Uh, really wanted Hashimoto to defeat uh, Tenryu. Uh, this, this was a war. Tons of strike exchanges. Uh, Hashimoto implementing his, uh, his DDT. There was a, a top rope DDT that, that was pretty crazy. Um, mid-air wheel kick uh Hashimoto catching Tenryu. Oh, that, mat- that part was so awesome. Um, yeah, a ton of great back and forth. Tenryu barely getting Hashimoto up for a powerbomb that looked crazy. It's 
ton of great back and forth. If you haven't watched this yet, definitely go out of your way to watch this matchup on New Japan World. Hashimoto versus Tenryo. What would you have rated it? Uh, probably four and a half. Damn, that's pretty high. With Jeremy's modern eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Karen has our pick for this week's recommended match of the week. So what do you got for us, Karen? Well, you know, in, in light of our Super J Cup discussion, I decided to go back to 2016 and pick the finals match, which was Kushida versus Yoshinobu Kanemaru, which was on August 12th, 2016. And literally Kushida's path to the finals was fighting almost all of Noah. He opened against Taiji Murray. He went against Keno. I think he fought Taichi as well. I don't know. And then Kanemaru. Or I could be wrong about that. But what I liked about it was that, you know, Kanemaru came in, had Despi, and I think Suzuki with him. Or no, it was Taka Michinoku. He didn't go to the ring alone. So Kushida, being Kushida and actually using his big brain, decides, you know, I'll go to the ring, but I won't come, go alone either. So he brings Liger and Taguchi with him. So before the match even opens, Suzuki-gun's trying to tell Kushida to send his his uh, lackeys to the back. And they're, they're like, no, no, no. If you have support, he has support. Which was a nice, refreshing thing to see. Um, I just really... I promise every time I come on here, I'm not going to always recommend a Kushida match. <laughs> but I was just... I didn't have much time because I had to take my dog to the vet today. So it was one of those... I wanted to find something that was topical. That and the, the unfortunately, the Super J Cup archive on New Japan World is very limited. Yeah, and I have not seen this matchup because uh, this was kind of before I was watching New Japan full time. So, looking forward to checking this out. You know what? I think I thought it was a Super Junior match. Uh, I didn't realize it was a Super J Cup match. So I don't know if I feel like I might have seen this once, but I kind of don't. Remember, so I'm I'm excited to check it out again. It, it's the reason Kushida is in the montage wearing the gold the gold robe because that's the year he won. Yeah, yeah. Well, nice. We'll definitely we'll check that out. Super J Cup 2016, Kushida versus Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and that is going to wrap things up for this week. Uh, Karen, tell all listeners where they can find you online. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Hey Karen Sensei. And all my other social media is attached to those. So come on by, say hello. Awesome. So uh, next week, like we mentioned, we'll be back to announce the winners of the 2020 Keeping a Strong Solid Year End Awards. So make sure you go out and get your vote in. And please, we can have the, you know, the best results possible. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting suplex.com slash donate. Click on the donate button under Keeping a strong style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. The show is at KI Strong Style. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The network's at Social Suplex on Twitter, on Facebook. We're Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. Also, we're in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we're at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I am the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at SocialSuplex.com. You can check out our Discord channel, Social Suplex. And make sure you check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd. We have the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland. We have the Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati. The 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. And the Great Match Generator with Danny and Beast Mike. 
Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.